This is continuing coverage of the 2021 Convention of the American Council of the Blind. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, ACB, back to the 2021 ACB Conference and Convention, Better Together Wherever We Are. Wanted to let everybody know today that uh, this general session is being broadcast on our ACB Media Network, which can be heard across the country and around the world thanks to our flagship ACB Media uh, Internet station, ACB Media One. So welcome, everybody. Boy, it seems like this convention just gets more exciting as we move from day to day. I uh, wanted to re- remind everybody before we get through the formal, uh, down through the formal agenda that we will have elections today. So please make sure that you have your individual voter code ready to go. And we'll make the announcement when the individual uh, vote will open up on vote now. Thank you all yesterday. It went very smooth and we appreciate all those that participated. Also want to take this opportunity to remind people that we have a wonderful Braille Forum raffle drawing that will take place Thursday night at our banquet, where you can win $5,000, $1,000, or $500. If you would like to buy a Braille Forum raffle ticket, they're going fast. There's less than 100 left out of the allotment of 500. Please contact the Minneapolis office at 612 332 Three two four two. You can have an individual can buy the ticket for fifty dollars, or up to five people can share a ticket. So please get those raffle tickets; they're going fast. Also, want to remind you that there's an opportunity to join the monthly monetary support program. That's a contribution you can make monthly to the American Council of the Blind and your favorite affiliate to help promote their programs and services. If you're interested in joining the monthly monetary support program, here's an email address uh, you can use, which is askacbmms at gmail.com. Again, that's askacbmms at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message and they'll get back to you at the MMS phone number, which is 202 743-0755. Anything you could do to support our monthly monetary support program would be greatly appreciated. The goal is to get to 421 members by the time our convention ends today. 421 for 2021. So please consider joining the monthly monetary support program. And now I officially call Day five of our ACB conference and convention to order. And I would like to introduce to you Isaac Hyman, our Ross Pangier scholarship winner from the great state of Washington. Isa, Isa, please. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic 
for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Isaac. And now I would like to introduce Tony Stevens, ACB Development Director from Baltimore, Maryland, to recognize our wonderful convention sponsors for this event. So, Tony? I'm excited to share with you today our corporate sponsors for the 60th Annual ACB National Conference and Convention. So here we go. For our diamond sponsors, Microsoft, Google, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, Comcast, and Facebook. For our Emerald sponsors, Charter Spectrum, Vespero, Amazon, Verizon, Vanda Pharmaceutical, and for our Ruby sponsors, TrackPhone Wireless Incorporated, Ira, Waymo, National Cable and Telecom Association, AT&T, LinkedIn, Perkins School for the Blind, Cruise, and Adobe. For our Onyx sponsors, Democracy Live and Humanware. For our Coral sponsors, National Industries for the Blind, National Library Services, and Library Users of America. And for our Walk sponsors, Macular Degeneration Foundation. And for our Walk sponsors, the Macular Degeneration Foundation, National Industries for the Blind, and Vanda Pharmaceutical. Thanks to all of our corporate partners for supporting this year's conference and convention. Thank you, Tony. What a wonderful group of sponsors, and we thank them so much for their contributions to the American Council of the Blind. Next, I'd like to introduce our uh, our officers and our board of director that won elections yesterday by unanimous consent, and it's uh, we didn't have a chance for them to address the membership, and I really think it's important to hear from our newly elected officials. So first, I would like to introduce our new second vice president and existing second vice president, uh, Ray Campbell. So, Ray? Thank you, Dan. I guess it's kind of whatever is old is new again, maybe is how that would work. Uh, good morning, ACB. And um, I just want to take a moment and thank you all for your renewed, renewed confidence in me. And um, I uh, look forward to another two years of great work. This organization is really doing some great stuff. And I look forward to helping to lead that effort uh, uh, over the next two years, supporting our leadership team as best I possibly can. So uh, thank you all. And um, I'm going to do my best to earn your confidence. Thank you very much. Congratulations, Ray. And next we'll hear from our ACB secretary elected for her second term, Denise Colley. Denise may have some difficulty getting unmuted, so we'll give her a little time and we'll move on to our ACB treasurer, David Trott, elected for his third term. David, congratulations. Thank you, Dan, and thank you everybody for your confidence in me. And I ask you now to join me in the next two years of growing our legacy endowment so that ACB can truly have a brighter future together. And we, we've done a great job so far, so let's don't stop the, the good work that we're doing. And I'm really excited to be a part of the leadership team once again. And uh, just know that we're going to listen to you and that we're there for you. And thank you for your confidence. Thank you so much, David. And again, congratulations. 
I'm still not hearing Tadis, so we will move on to our newly elected, not newly elected, but newly elected, but finishing elected for his second term on the board, uh, the American Council Blind Board of Directors, Jeff Bishop. Congratulations, Jeff. Thank you, Dan, very much. Good morning, everyone. I am deeply humbled and thankful for the opportunity that you've given me to be able to continue to serve in this organization. And uh, I am, I'm truly blessed with the, the opportunity um, that you've been given me and I'm thankful for that. We, uh, we, have, we have a lot of work to do and we need all of you to help us get there too. So in combination with our leadership team, as well as my efforts, I need your help as well. So we'll be asking and calling on many of you to lend us a hand. So please join me in the next, for the next three years to be able to achieve just tremendous great things in this organization. Again, sincerely, very, very much. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And I will work really hard to be able to achieve the things that you expect from me. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, and congratulations. I think what we'll do, Denise is our presenter tomorrow uh, for the Wednesday session. So we will let uh, Denise give her uh, congratulatory remarks uh, Wednesday uh, before the candidate speeches on Wednesday. So just wanted to uh, make sure that we get an opportunity to hear from Denise and we apologize that she's having some technical difficulties. And now uh, it's time for me to make an announcement as your ACB president, uh, Deb Cook-Lewis, uh, who was our Board of Publications Chair, yesterday was elected to the position of first vice president of the American Council of the Blind, which means that as your president, I must appoint a new chair of the BOP. And I'm honored to, this morning uh, to announce the appointment of Katie Frederick, from Worthington, Ohio. She is the uh, com community manager for the International Association of Accessibility Professionals, IAAP. So Katie, thank you so much for taking on the position as our new BOP chair. Katie has worked for at least the last five years with the BOP holding the position of chair of our public relations committee and also working as the co-chair of the public awareness steering committee. So welcome Katie as our new BOP chair. I know you'll do an outstanding job. I also want to appoint for their first term, my second appointment to the board of publications, the president appoints the chair and one other BOP director, and then the other three BOP directors are elected, and they're on the slate for later on during our election process. But the other appointed BOP director will be Cheryl Cummings. Cheryl is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit Our Spaces, Our Places, from Boston, Massachusetts. So welcome Cheryl to the Board of Publications. And at this time, I would be terribly remiss if I didn't give a huge hip hip hooray and thank you to Deb Cook-Lewis for all the work she has done 
for the last two years leading our board of publications. So thank you, Deb, so much for all your service. And we're going to put you to work even more as our new first vice president. And Susan Glass, friend and colleague, I can't say enough of your service over the last two terms as an appointed member of the board of publications. Susan has always been there and has answered the bell for whatever ACB needed her to do. And I thank her so much for all of her efforts and accomplishments. Susan is going to move forward and really help us in the audio description area, helping coordinate uh, our new journey to kind of complete all of our field visits with our grant that we do between the National Park Service, the University of Hawaii, and the American Council of Blind. So Susan, again, we thank you for all of your service and we welcome uh, you into your next role of responsibility with inside of ACB. So having made these appointments, what this does is Katie Frederick has now resigned her last year for her second term on the American Council of Blind Board of Directors. So this will open up a sixth board of directors position that will be elected during this um, annual business meeting. It will be for a one-year term and following the roll call of our five uh, board of directors positions that were announced in nominations, we will have a sixth position for a one-year term that will require nominations from the floor. So I just wanted to make sure as we move down through our board of directors elections today that everybody knew the status of how many elections would be contested. At this point in time, it is time for us to start our candidate speeches for today. We have a contested election for the second ACB board of directors seat that needs to be filled. Out of nominating was presented from the nominating committee was Doug Powell from Falls Church, Virginia, retired marketing specialist, and nominated from the floor yesterday was Connie Sims, medical massage practitioner and health advocate from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So they are to our two candidates for today, and they have submitted their uh, speakers on behalf uh, of their candidacy. So the two speakers uh, for Doug Powell are Chris Hunsinker from Pennsylvania and Jeff Tom for Cal from California. And the two speakers uh, for Connie Sims are Patrick Sheehan from Maryland and Sheila Young from Orlando. Because Doug came out of the nominating committee, he will be, his speakers will be the first to speak. Your speakers are entitled to a total of five minutes of speaking time. The first speaker for Doug is Chris Hunsinker. Uh, and the timer for this will be, I want to make sure they're uh, available for us today, is Denise our parliamentarian. Uh, Jolyn, or can you confirm that Denise is in the room? Yes, our parliamentarian is in the room, yes. Is in the room, thank you. I just wanted to make sure. So our parliamentarian, Denise, will be the one that will do our official timing. 
Chris, you are the first person to speak for Doug Powell. Do you want any um, reminders of the amount of elapsed time as you give your remarks today? How about a minute and a half? You would like to be, uh, a, you'd like it identified when we've, we're in a minute and a half through your remarks. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I'd now like to introduce Chris Hunsinker from Pennsylvania to speak on the behalf of Doug Powell. I want to um, ask for you to vote for Doug Powell because not only does he talk the talk that he put on his uh, candidate webpage, but he walks the walk. Um, I can tell you that with the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, he has been our liaison between PCB and ACB, and he has been um, a wise and thoughtful person at our board meetings, asking questions that we might not have thought of, helping us think outside the box, helping us go um, to ACB for any help and assistance that we could possibly get from the national organization that we hadn't thought of. He, he also, uh, with the uh, rehab um, task force, although he was the author of the um, paper on the state of vocational rehabilitation, et cetera, he, in a very collegial and collaborative way, took thoughts from all of us who were part of the rehab task force, and that helped him craft his document. It also made us feel comfortable talking about things that we thought were important that others might not have thought were important. Thank you. Um, he also helped me as the member of the task force uh, become more active, and I've actually taken on the co-chair position with him, which helps me um, ease into any leadership in that task force since I'm sort of a newbie in the area. He demonstrates his commitment to change by working with the steering committees and the leadership committee of ACB um, and the the um, and the fact that his leadership uh, group meets the same day as the the uh, rehab task force shows a true commitment and an amount of work that I don't know if I could do. He also, with the state of Virginia, has done so much in the voting and transportation and the um, accessible traffic signals and crosswalk um, area that. All of these activities could be no more than good for this organization. And that's what I have to say about why you should vote for Doug. Thank you, Chris. I will now ask our parliamentarian uh, how much time uh, has elapsed so we know how much time for our second speaker for Doug. He has two and a half minutes. All right. I would now like to recognize Jeff Tom from California with two and a half minutes to speak on behalf of Doug Powell. Good morning, ACB. To me, the question of whether or not to vote for Doug Powell boils down to the answer to two other questions. The first is, do we want to retain an incumbent who's doing a good job? And my answer to that question, I hope yours, is yes. The second is, is Doug Powell doing that good job? And I'm here to tell you that in my view, he definitely is. You've heard already from Chris a number of his activities. 
Um, I will not go into detail about his work in his state and local affiliate, but I can vouch for that participation because I am the board liaison to Virginia. I hear of his activities. I hear him giving wise counsel to his state president and other officers. I know that he is doing a good job in the state of Virginia. I work with Doug on various steering committees. For example, on the ADP committee, he asks extraordinarily good questions and has gained a breadth of knowledge in a very short time that I find extremely admirable. He works on the advocacy steering committee uh, through his leadership of the rehabilitation task force. And he played a prominent role in last year's leadership seminar. He is a true advocate for ACB and for all Americans who are blind or who have low vision. He works as the vice president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, newly elected vice president. Yes, there are times that Doug and I disagree. Oh yes, we do. But we talk through our areas of disagreement and work toward compromise. On the board, Doug asks more questions than any board member I can think of. And those questions are good ones. He seeks to get to the bottom of things to make sure that his knowledge and our knowledge for our decision-making is as great as we can make it. Ten seconds. He is, he is always there to work on behalf of ACB, and I urge you to continue to have Doug Powell on the board of directors. Please vote for Doug. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff, uh, and thank you for the speakers for Doug Powell. Uh, we now will hear for the speakers for Connie Sims. Uh, the first speaker is Patrick Sheehan from Maryland. The second will be Sheila Young from Florida. Uh, Patrick, uh, would you like any time reminders before we start? I'll take a reminder at two minutes. Reminder at two minutes. Okay. All right, Pat, please start when you are ready. Thank you very much. I am very pleased to um, speak for Connie Sims for a position on the board of directors. Connie joined the voting task force last year, and when she joined, she said, members of ACB have a voice, but I want to give them the vote. And thanks to the hard work of Connie Sims, we had an election yesterday that allowed us to have a vote total of over 900 people. That was due to a lot of hard work that Connie put forward uh, on the voting task force. Uh, she worked to put over 30 Zoom sessions together. Uh, she worked with the major uh, programs like, such as Tuesday Topics, Visibilities, uh, the Advocacy Podcast, and Sunday, Sunday Edition. She helped coordinate those calls. She also talked to the affiliates and uh, talked to them about the, what was going on with respect to voting. She talked to the president's list about uh, presidents about five times, but mostly she talked to the affiliates. Uh, mostly she talked to the chapters and she talked to the individuals. She wanted individuals to know what was going on with respect to voting. She spent a lot of time with them. She took care. She listened to them. She understood the program and she discussed it with all of you. The Connie Sims that you, you listen to and you talk to is the same Connie Sims that we want on the board of directors. 
She understands what is going on. She takes the time to communicate and she listens. Those are qualities that we want on the board of directors. Two minutes. This past year, uh, she was able to uh, secure the vote for ACB. And I would like us to return the favor and vote for Connie Sims. As far as the other efforts within ACB, Connie was asked to join the Health and Wellness Committee. Uh, As a medical uh, massage practitioner, she has a lot of knowledge that she has given in that area, worked through Samford University to um, to lecture individuals and also to uh, um, produce documents that that university has used. She wants to bring the medical knowledge back to the health and wellness group, uh, which will be very effective for individuals all throughout this organization. She also has been a, uh, a, a JP Morgan uh, winner in 2020, and she is uh, the president of South Dakota. Uh, she also has expertise in low vision. So she has a lot of qualities that ACB can use. Lastly, uh, in the area of advocacy, Uh, When Senator John Thune, who is the ranking member of the uh, Senate Transportation Committee, wants advice, he calls Connie, not his assistant, not his uh, legislative aide. He talks to her because she's effective, efficient, uh, knowledgeable, and he can trust the information that she gives. These are qualities that we need on the board of directors. Uh, Senator Thune understands that. I think ACB can understand that. She gave us the vote in 2021, and I would ask ACB to return the favor and elect her to the board of directors for this year. Thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. And now I'll do a time check uh, from our parliamentarian. Denise, how much time does uh, Connie Sims have left? A minute and 23 seconds. A minute and 23 seconds. So I will now introduce, well, uh, Sheila Young uh, from Orlando. You have a minute and 23 seconds. Would you like any time reminders, Sheila? Yes, please. Um, 15 seconds, if you would. Okay, with 15 seconds remaining. Okay, Mm -hmm. thank you. Go ahead and start whenever you're comfortable, Sheila. Thank you. Good morning, ACB. I am so honored to be here to speak on behalf of Connie Sims. I have been fortunate to get to know her through our ACB President's Weekly Call. She is kind, gentle, and does everything with grace. She has worked so hard with our affiliates on our community call, trying to educate our members on being able to um, do this voting, which has been just amazing. Um, One thing we need on our board is more low vision desperately, and Connie brings that to the board. Her other wonderful qualification is she lives in a rural area of the country, and we have a huge population of our membership in Florida that live in rural areas, and they don't have the services that we have in big cities. So I believe Connie will assist us in trying to educate them and educate us on how we can reach those individuals to get them more involved in ACD. I hope that we will all support her. I think she would be a wonderful asset to ACD. Thank you. 
Thank you, Sheila, and thank you all our speakers for our election uh, for the second uh, position for the ACB Board of Directors between Doug Powell and Connie Sims. I will now turn it to myself and Nancy for introductions of Vote Now. Thank you, candidates and speakers, for your wonderful presentations this morning. Next, I would like to introduce Nancy Marks Becker, our Chief Financial Officer, also playing the role as our ACB election supervisor for our elections throughout this convention. So, Nancy, could you please share with us some information about the upcoming in-person voting and how folks should stay connected uh, through the Vote Now process? I sure can, Dan. Thank you. So to vote for this election, you will need to go to the Vote Now website using the link you were provided. Or to vote by phone, call 844-875-0261 and have your unique voter code ready also. If you need administrative help, call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. The voting polls will close at 1.15 p.m. Eastern, 10.15 a.m. Pacific, and 7.15 a.m. Hawaiian time. You will be using the same unique voter code for elections all week because your ballot will be reset after each election has been completed. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. And voting is now open for the 2021 conference and convention. Good luck, everyone. Again, just to repeat, our uh, elections are now open. So if you have, would like to make your individual vote today, please use your code and access vote now and let's get those votes rolling. So thank you, ACB, and, and good luck to both Doug Powell and Connie Sims. Next, I would like to introduce uh, a, our corporate presenter for today, our 
convention sponsor. And I'd like to introduce Joel Moffitt from Comcast. Joel is the project manager for accessibility at Comcast. And this is a CEC eligible um, session. So please use the opening code of 72046. Again, that's 72046. And now let's hear from Joel from Comcast. Hello, ACB. Joel Moffitt here, Principal Product Manager and Engagement Lead at Comcast for the accessibility team. Um, you know, it's great to be back here, so to speak, for ACB's 60th annual conference and convention. Uh, we're always happy to support such a great partner, continue to engage with, you know, the ACB headquarters, ACB National, and work on a lot of great things together and keep our pulse on what the blind community is really up to and wants out of our products and, and services and experiences. So always an awesome conference. Wish this was in person, but I think we've all been feeling the the, the pandemic and this new way of working. And oddly, I'm you know interacting a lot more with people virtually in person than maybe I was able to uh, before the pandemic. So I think we all have our ups and downs with the way that these new situations have affected our lives. And of course, with Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate, there's an increased focus on inclusion, which uh, is exciting. And it's an interesting process to watch unfold for, for folks who maybe haven't been in that mindset before. So I hope you're all seeing positive advancements along those lines as well. At Comcast, there's been a lot of space made for conversations about different dimensions of diversity, of course, race, but also disability kind of bubbling up in that conversation as well. And a big part of our mission as a team and of the company's mission is to, to bring disability and intersectionality really into that fold. So that's something I've been really enjoying. I hope you all have been uh, as well and just watching this all unfold. So before I, I jump in and, and kind of give you updates on what Comcast and Xfinity have been up to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little description of myself and my background. So again, Joel Moffitt. Principal Product Manager and Engagement Lead for Comcast Accessibility. I'm a white male, he, him. I've got a nice short haircut, short brown hair, and rimless glasses. I do wear hearing aids, over-the-ear hearing aids here. I've got on a, a black t-shirt, and my background is pretty cool, I think. I'm here in my attic uh, in Glenside, Pennsylvania, just north of our headquarters in Philadelphia, and behind me on the slope of my ceiling, I've got some of my favorite vinyl records hanging up there. You've got some, you know, David Bowie, Aladdin Sane, uh, Riddle of Steel, one of my favorite bands, The Clash, lots of good records up there. So it's been also interesting to be at home and um, surrounded by my kids and my family and everything. So hope everybody's hanging in there through all this and just discovering new things and, and you know, moving forward. So getting back to Comcast and Xfinity and accessibility and inclusion, uh, one great thing we've got coming up that we're really excited about is, of course, the Tokyo Olympics and having some described content there. 
So many of you will remember that back during the Rio games, we began the process of describing some of the Olympic content and we've continued that forward. And these Tokyo games are no exception. So what we'll have is audio description available live on um, NBCSN and across all the broadcast channels. So the ceremonies and all the content that airs during primetime hours, that'll all include description. You'll be able to watch that live and grab that on demand. Of course, if you grab it on DVR, you'll have the description as well too. Now for the Paralympics as well, all the broadcast programming for the Paralympics, primetime or not, is going to feature audio description. So that's kind of leveling up there. We're really excited about that. Um, to get outside of the primetime hours for the for the, the Paralympics in Tokyo. So those are coming up quickly here at the end of July and at the end of August. Um, now, you can use the hashtag NBCOlympicsA11Y, shorthand for accessibility there. So NBCOlympicsA11Y or hashtag NBCParalympicsA11Y depending on which games you're talking about, to um, put your thoughts out there about the availability of this audio-described content. So pretty excited about that. As always, we're trying to push into new types of content with description, um, while also you know, bringing in shows and movies to our audio description collection. If you're an Xfinity customer and you've got Xfinity X1, or Xfinity Flex, you know, with the voice remote, you can go ahead and say, describe shows into the remote. And then you find something to watch. And while you're watching it, you've just got to use the voice remote again and say, audio description to turn it off or on. So making it really easy to, to get at that stuff without having to leave your viewing experience and then jump into settings and so on. That can be a real pain in the neck and really interrupt the flow of what you're watching. So a lot of that's not new news, but definitely relevant to your upcoming uh, Olympic Games viewing experiences with audio description. Uh, in addition to that, we're going to have improved web content accessibility. That includes keyboard navigation and color contrast uh, and support for screen readers available on NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports app. So that, that's new and, and better there for you. All of this audio description, and I should also mention that closed captions will be available on all Olympics content, regardless of where you're viewing it uh, with NBC. Uh, that'll all be captioned, and all that audio description is going to be available to Comcast customers who are experiencing the games, of course, like I said, on X1 uh, or Xfinity Stream or Xfinity Flex. Stream being our, our kind of second screen TV viewing experience where you can dig into some live content and your on-demand content and your DVR content and so on. So uh, that includes the live content for the Olympics delivered in 4K as well. So you get some nice video, but also some very nice audio with 4K. And as a reminder, those Tokyo Olympics are going to kick off on July 23rd. They go through August 8th. So be sure to check them out. And the Tokyo Paralympics will run from August 24th until September 5th. And those are on the networks of NBC Universal, NBCOlympics.com, and the NBC Sports app. So do be sure to check them out. And again, if you're using the voice remote, remember to lean on those voice commands. And if nothing else, remember that when you're using those platforms with the voice remote, just go ahead and you can press the B key on the remote or say 
accessibility as a voice command, and you're going to land on a collection page that includes settings for accessibility, includes tips on how to use them, uh, includes ways to get in touch with help and support, and also content collections, including the way to get to the, the audio description collection. Of course, you can also say described shows to get there as well, and we'll have a nice, uh, easy to get to collection within that to land you in the Olympic content. So nice and easy for you to go and check all this stuff out. So that's Olympics, always a big push for Comcast and NBC, always a great time in the summer. Uh, another thing I'd like to kind of plug here, uh, you know, I mentioned that I'm the principal product manager. Uh, one product that I manage directly at Comcast is the Xfinity Adaptive Remote. So this remote, the initial kind of use case for it was really for folks with physical disabilities, folks who were maybe navigating with a keyboard or even with eye trackers using, using their eyes for eye control uh, or other assistive technologies. But what we landed on here is really a great web-based experience for controlling your Xfinity X1 experience on your TV. So think about it. For folks who are using assistive technologies, you can't really plug those directly into the set-top box, at least not yet, right, in a lot of cases. But what you can do is connect those assistive technologies that you know and love to your computer. So this is just another way for us to really meet customers where they are. So whatever assistive technology you're using, you know, for many of us here, it's using the screen reader. Uh, you can leverage that with the Xfinity Adaptive Remote and Again, web-based experience has all the options, more or less, that the Xfinity voice remote has, including the voice feature. Um, but what it also has is you can type in uh, text commands instead of voice commands. That's relevant for folks uh, who might not benefit from a voice to actually use voice control or can't speak clearly enough. So you can actually type in the commands that you need to type or somebody using eye tracking can use an on-screen keyboard to type those in. But for those of us who are using screen readers or who just need the remote to be nice and big and backlit in front of them, this is a really great solution. So your screen reader is going to be able to step through that. Once you log in, uh, if you go to xfin.tv slash access, that's where you're going to find the Xfinity Adapter Remote. That's xfin.tv slash access. And you're just going to log in like you would log into any other Xfinity service. And boom, the remote's going to be there on the screen with all the features you need. You can navigate it with your keyboard and um, tab your way through with your screen reader. You can bring it up on your phone and use it with voiceover or talkback. So what I'd like to do really quick is give you guys really uh, a nice pro insider sort of tip. Kind of goes beyond the usual how-to stuff. Uh, but when it comes to the adaptive remote, what I can do um, for iOS users out there, I know many of us are. So uh, in iOS, what you can do is you could dive into your iOS uh, shortcuts app, shortcuts app on iOS. You can go to add new shortcut, choose action, choose web, and then choose URL. So shortcuts app, add new, action, web and then add a URL. So the URL you're going to add is xfin.tv slash access. That's the adaptive remote uh, you know, web application. 
And little known fact, for customers who are in a Cox market and have the Contour service, that's licensed from us. So it's the same product you're getting, uh, just it's labeled for Cox Contour. You could put in webremote.cox.com to use the Cox Web Remote. It's the very same thing, just for Cox customers. So once you do that, you're going to have this shortcut for getting to the adaptive remote, which is pretty cool. What makes this even better is that step two, you can go into iOS settings, then jump into accessibility, jump into voiceover settings there, and choose customize commands. Now, once you choose customize commands, you're going to go create new command, and then you can type in the phrase adaptive remote. So what that's going to do once you exit out of that is if you use Siri and you say adaptive remote, it's going to open up that URL in your browser and you'll have the adaptive remote right there in front of you. So I use this all the time. I just, if I can't find the remote, I grab my iOS device and I just say, you know, hey Siri, adaptive remote, and it fires on up and I can control my TV and I can use voiceover if I want to. Um, now, I have Usher syndrome, so I have significant vision loss, and my central vision is pretty good, though, so I don't always rely on voiceover and other text-to-speech or screen reader technologies. So just a quick pro tip, definitely check out the adaptive remote. I uh, would love to get some feedback on how the blind community enjoys using it. Hopefully, it's pretty useful. It's very simple, and it works well with assistive technology. So Check it out and, um, you know, shout us out on, on Twitter or things like that. And, you know, you can hashtag Comcast accessibility or, or do at Comcast and hashtag accessibility. And then that'll, that'll bubble up to us for sure. So, yeah, those are a couple of things we have going on with the Olympics and that described audio content, uh, audio description content, rather, uh, the adaptive remote. And just to kind of recap those things that are available in Flex and X1, you've got voice commands for pretty much everything. So you can say accessibility and get to that accessibility home screen, say audio description and turn audio description off and on. So any command or destination, you've got an easy way to get to that with a voice command, which is really pretty cool. Uh, a lot of folks love the stream app using the stream app with voiceover. It's really just the X one experience in your pocket on the go, whether it's iOS or Android. And um, that can be really, really useful. So that's a little bit of what you can do with X1 and our entertainment products. Um, also want to mention, uh, recently, back in the middle of June, we had our second annual Innovation for Inclusion Conference. So had some great content there. June 16th was primarily dedicated to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But of course, inclusion being what it is, disability and accessibility were part of, or at least mentioned in just about every session on that first day. And then the second day focused on accessibility. So you've got content there that really speaks to the expertise that's needed to roll out accessible solutions. So great conference. Those recordings of that conference are going to be going up uh, pretty soon in the next week or two at comcastlabsconnect.com slash inclusion hyphen 2021 2021 so comcast labs connect.com slash inclusion hyphen 2021 uh spoiler alert i had the pleasure of emceeing that second day that accessibility day with all that great content and it was a blast i loved it i loved uh enjoying everybody's authentic selves coming through since everybody's coming to us virtually from home 
Um, can be a little weird, obviously, but I think there's a lot to be said for, for how we're, we are able to interact across like many different time zones all across the world and different backgrounds. Uh, really pretty cool. So that's our Inclusive Innovation Conference powered by Comcast Labs Connect. Definitely go check it out. Um, the first day kicked off with, of all things, a panel of diverse professional skateboarders, including blind skater, Dan Mancina, who was really a pleasure to work with. Um, the first openly non-binary skateboarder, that's uh, Leo Baker. The panel was moderated by, by Kim Woozy of Skate Like a Girl. And we had Zion Wright in there. He's uh, a black skateboarder. I think he's like 20 years old out of Jupiter, Florida. And he actually just clinched uh, a spot to compete in the Olympics coming up. So you might be able to check out Zion, hopefully with some audio description. We'll see when that content airs. Also uh, among panels on that day, I had the pleasure of moderating a panel with uh, the Disability Visibility Pro uh, Project's Alice Wong, all about intersectionality. So we had Dr. Jake Bernie on there uh, talking about her book, uh, Hearing Happiness, talking about deafness cures their history. Also, Wanda Diaz-Merced, the blind astrophysicist who talked a little bit about you know, many, many things we've ranged across in that panel, but talking, of course, about how she uses sonification to explore events happening in the cosmos uh, with her job as an astrophysicist, astrophysicist Excuse me, after she uh, began to lose her sight. Other great content on there, we have an AI for accessibility panel um, featuring Microsoft's Hakeem Sheikh. Uh, founder of um, the, the AI product that they have. Um, then also Bob McDonald from Google, Joel Rabaka from Signall, kind of leaning into the deaf community there. Able Gamers was there. Lots of great content. Please go check it out again at comcastlabsconnect.com slash inclusion hyphen 2021. And in closing, I'll just talk a little bit about our support as always. So uh, a couple new things are happening. You can obviously um, get a hold of our accessibility support center as always, but these days uh, we've rolled out Xfinity Assistant. Xfinity Assistant is great. We call it XA for short. That's available in the Xfinity My Account app and also in uh, what we now call our Xfinity app, which brings together aspects of smart home and managing your Wi-Fi network in the home and things like that. It's really becoming sort of the one-stop app for most of what you would wanna do with your Xfinity experiences. So right in the upper right-hand corner, there's always in those apps, a uh, Xfinity Assistant logo, and that's what VoiceOver will likely speak out to you when you, when you select it. So once you jump into Xfinity Assistant, which you can also access, by the way, by going to Xfinity.com slash assistant, you can type in things like accessibility or audio description, or I'm having trouble with audio description or whatever it is. And we build out the structure and the you know, AI machine learning to understand those sorts of prompts and get you the information you need to get. And you don't find that in the chat, then you're going to be able to jump right into our accessibility COE um, per usual. And if you want to continue to learn about what we're up to on the Comcast accessibility team with our Xfinity products, uh, I'd urge you to go check out corporate.comcast.com 
slash accessibility and see all the latest stories that we've got there. And uh, again, always happy to hear from folks, always happy to hear questions. If you want to reach out to our team, um, you can you know, do that on social media using the appropriate hashtags and at Comcast, uh, or you can go ahead and email accessibility at comcast.com. Uh, once again, Joel Moffitt, Principal Product Manager for the Comcast Accessibility Team. Really proud and happy to be here once again with ACB. As always, an awesome partner. Look forward to continuing to work with you all and hear from you all and enjoy the rest of your awesome 60th annual conference. Thank you, Joel, for those wonderful comments. And thank you so much for all that Comcast does as a valued partner for the and with the American Council of the Blind. I'd also like to give a shout out to Tom Lakowski, Vice President of Accessibility at Comcast, that was a wonderful panelist in the fantastic session we had last night during our prime time, where we had eight uh, of the major streaming services uh, around the world that presented in a discussion on audio description hosted by Carl Richardson. Just a wonderful panel, and thanks to Tom uh, for participating in that event. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to NBC Universal for partnering with the American Council of the Blind to allow for a fully uh, simulcast audio description, not, not there where you have to go get it anywhere else, audio description with the presentation both with audio and video that will be shown Friday night at the closing of our ACB con con conference and convention. That's right, at eight o'clock Friday night, simulcast on ABC Media Network, you will see live, well not live, but you will see prime time, the uh, opening ceremonies for the 32nd Olympiad. Also, prior to that, there will be a wonderful pre-Olympic show, uh, again, partnering with NBC Universal to go behind the scenes and talk to folks who put together the audio description for the Olympics and hearing from Olympic Paralympics and, and former Olympians about participating in the Olympics. So let's make Friday night the biggest watch party of blind and visually impaired people ever to witness an event. So ACB, friends and family, we're counting on you Friday night and we really look forward to it. And Joel, thanks so much for your comments. The closing code uh, for CECs for this event is 39924. So again, if you're getting CECs for this event, it's 39924. And now I want to take a minute and introduce our ACB Angels tribute for today. You know, some of these are really personal, and these two individuals are really personal to me. I've had the opportunity over the last, you know, years to work with both Denise Decker from Washington, D.C., and Bob Hache from Boston, Massachusetts. So I'm very honored today and humbled uh, to present Joel Snyder to read the tribute for Denise Colley and Tony Stevens to read the tribute to Bob Hache, two wonderful members of the American Council of the Blind who we will ne never forget and always remember. And we really appreciate all their dedication to ACB. So now Joel Snyder 
and Tony Stevens. This is Dr. Joel Snyder, president of Audio Description Associates, LLC, based in the Washington, D.C. area, and the founder of and senior consultant to the American Council of the Blind's Audio Description Project. For those who may not know, audio description is a narrative technique that provides a verbal version of the visual, words that describe visual images and actions primarily for the benefit of people who are blind or have low vision. Denise Decker was a member of the project's steering committee and chair of the project's Performing Arts Museums and Parks Subcommittee. Denise called me just a week before she passed to let me know that she wasn't feeling well and wouldn't be able to attend that evening's subcommittee conference call. At such a difficult time, Denise was thinking of others, of her responsibility to her colleagues, of her commitment to serve the community of audio description devotees. Earlier in the year, she demonstrated her eloquence on the topic in an interview on National Public Radio at their studios here in Washington. She and I were asked about the audio description developed in the UK for last year's Best Picture Academy Award winner, the subtitled Parasite. Denise responded with thoughtful insight, noting how the skilled, succinct use of language and expert vocal technique can provide more meaningful access to culture for people who are blind. Her tact and her firm defense of the importance of access has resulted in significant improvements in the accessibility of the 9-11 Museum in New York and myriad national park visitor centers across the country. Everyone who knew Denise knew her gentle, unassuming soul and her gracious way with others, always helping them to feel knowledgeable and appreciated. And most of all, I knew Denise as a champion, a valiant advocate for the rights of people with disabilities. She knew that disability exists only to the extent that the individual and the society at large acknowledges the individual's abilities and provides appropriate accommodations with the inclusion of audio description at a performance or in a museum or at a national park site, a person who is blind is no longer disabled. He or she has access comparable to the sighted person who wants to know and be a part of our culture. Denise exemplified the notion that there is no good reason why a person with a physical disability must also be culturally disadvantaged. She is greatly missed by all who had the opportunity to be in her embrace. Robert Hache, March 12, 1961 to September 14, 2020, from the Bay State Council of the Blind. A native of Massachusetts, Robert Bob Hache attended the Perkins School for the Blind, graduated from public high school, Boston College, and obtained his master's degree in business administration. Known for the passion he brought to everything he set his mind to, Bob served as president of the Bay State Council of the Blind, the ACB affiliate in Massachusetts, and as the editor of Baylines, its newsletter. Working from his apartment in Waltham, Massachusetts, which he shared with his life partner, Donna McCarty, Bob served the council as the moderator of the ACBL email list. It was here that members learned of his ability to hold strong views and yet support others' rights to respectfully disagree with him and one another. 
Bob loved sports and was heard frequently on sports radio, giving his considerable statistical reasoning as to why the Red Sox were going to win the World Series and the New England Patriots the Super Bowl. Bob from Waltham will be missed by WEEI radio listeners in New England, as well as his ACB family. His ashes were spread to the winds along the mountains of Vermont and along the shores of Cape Cod, both places where he and Donna enjoyed spending leisure time. Bob, we will miss you. Thank you so much. I want to uh, again recognize Denise Decker and Bob Hache, our two angels and personal friends of mine. This is a, a very sad moment to, to reflect on their wonderful lives, but it is also an opportunity to remember them in such a, a nice way. So Denise and Bob, uh, we appreciate all you did and we will always remember you. Next, it is time for us to move on where there are affiliate roll call elections. Hopefully, all affiliate delegates are in the affiliate Zoom room. And I would now like to turn uh, the meeting over to our ACB secretary, Denise Colley from Lacey, Washington. Denise, look forward to the affiliate roll call for the election of between uh, Doug Powell and Connie Sims for our second position for ACB Board of Directors. Denise. All right. Thank you, Rick. And uh, just a moment of personal privilege. I want to apologize profusely to the membership. I was stuck in the other Zoom room when Dan called me and I couldn't get out of there. So I'll be happy to speak with you tomorrow. All right. So we're ready for the roll call for today. Alabama, three votes. Alabama, three votes, Sims. Three votes, Sims. Arizona, two votes. Arizona, two votes. Arkansas, two votes. Arkansas. And we're, we're doing uh, Alabama through Georgia. So those are the first ones we'll be calling. California, 22 votes. All right. So California, I was waiting to see if Gabe got on, but he didn't. So 18 Powell, four Sims. 18 Powell, four Sims. Colorado, one vote. Colorado, Connecticut, one vote. Connecticut. Denise, I see people that have raised their hands. If you can, if we pass your affiliate, Wait till we get to the end, and then I will oh, look at whoever has that hand Cambridge. raised, and we'll go back to you guys. Delaware, one vote. Delaware. Delaware casts one vote for Doug Powell. One Powell. District of Columbia, one vote. <clears throat> District of Columbia. Florida, 25 votes. Florida, um, eight. Powell, 17 Sims. Eight Powell, 17 Sims. Georgia, five votes. Georgia casts four votes for Connie Sims, one vote for Doug Powell. One Powell, four Sims. We will be doing Hawaii through Bay State. Hawaii casts um, three votes for Connie Sims. Three Sims, you said? Correct. Hawaii, three Sims. Illinois. Illinois, two Powell, one Sims. Two Powell, one Sims. Indiana, four votes. 
Indiana casts two votes for Sims and two votes for Powell. Two Powell, two Sims. Iowa, three votes. Iowa? Kansas, three votes. Kansas, two votes. Powell, one vote. Sims. Two Powell, one Sims. Kentucky, 12 votes. Kentucky casts 7.5 votes for Powell, 4.5 votes for Sims. 7.5 Powell, 4.5 Sims. Bluegrass, three votes. Bluegrass, three votes, Sims. Three Sims. Louisiana, three votes. Two Powell, one Sims. Two Powell, one Sims. Maryland, three votes. Maryland cast three votes, Sims. Three Sims. Michigan. Uh, Michigan cast two votes, Powell, five votes, Sims. Two, two Powell, five Sims? Yes. Bay State. M Massachusetts, five for Sims. Three for Powell. Three Powell, five Sims. Minnesota, three votes. Minnesota, 2.5 uh, Powell, or 2.5 Sims, 0.5 Powell. 0.5 Powell, 2.5 Sims. Mississippi, three votes. Mississippi, three votes Powell. Three Powell. Missouri, 22 votes. Missouri casts 22 votes for... Sims. 22 Sims. Nebraska, one vote. Nebraska will cast one vote for Powell. One Powell. Oh, you're there, Jim. Huh. Uh, Nevada, two votes. One vote for Powell, one vote for Sims. One Powell, one Sims. New Jersey, two votes. New Jersey, two votes for Doug Powell. Oh, two. Powell. New York, nine votes. New York has five votes for Powell, four votes for Sims. Five Powell, four Sims. North Carolina, three North votes. Carolina, North Carolina casts three votes for Sims. Three Sims. North Dakota, 10 votes. North Dakota, six Powell, four Sims. Six Powell, Four Sims. Ohio, eight Ohio, votes. Ohio cast three votes for Powell, five votes for Sims. Three Powell, five Sims. Oklahoma, 22 votes. Oklahoma cast seven for Powell and 15 for Sims. Seven Sims. Powell, 15 wow. Sims. Oregon, five votes. Oregon casts five votes for Connie Sims. Five Sims. Pennsylvania, eight votes. Pennsylvania casts its eight votes for Doug Powell by Chris Hunsinger. Eight Powell. South Dakota, three votes. South Dakota casts our three votes for our president, Connie Sims. <laughs> three Sims. Tennessee, five votes. Four Powell, one Sims. Four Powell, one Sims. Texas, 
12 votes. Texas cast 8.5 for Powell and 3.5 for Sims. 8.5 Powell, 3.5 Sims. Utah, 18 votes. Utah casts 10 votes for Powell, 8 votes for Sims. 10 Powell, 8 Sims. Vermont, 3 votes. Vermont. Virginia, 2 votes. Virginia, 2 for Powell. 2 Powell. Washington, 17 votes. Washington votes 13 Powell, 4 Sims. 13 Powell, 4 Sims. Mountain State, two votes. Mountain State cast two votes for Doug Powell. Two Powell. Wisconsin, one vote. Wisconsin, Wyoming, one vote. Oh, go ahead. Wisconsin votes one vote Sims. One Sims for Wisconsin. Wyoming, one vote. Wyoming. All right, then we'll move on to the special interest affiliates. And we will be doing Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss through ACD students. So Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, three votes. Two votes, Powell. One vote, Sims. Two Powell, one Sims. ACB teachers. ACB two votes. Teachers, ACB teachers votes 1.5 for Powell, 0.5 Sims. 1.5 Powell, 0.5 Sims. Attorneys, two votes. Avia votes two votes, Powell. Two Powell. ACB Diabetics, three votes. ACBDA casts all three votes for Connie Sims. Three Sims. ACB Families, three votes. ACB Families votes two Powell, one Sims. Two Powell, one Sims. Government Employees, uh, one vote. Government Employees votes one Powell. One Powell. ACB Lions, four votes. ACB Lions votes two votes, two and a half votes Powell, and one and a half votes Sims. 2.5 Powell, 1.5 Sims. ACB Next Generation, three votes. ACB Next Generation will cast two votes for Doug Powell, one vote for Connie Sims. Two Powell, one Sims. ACB Radio Amateurs, one vote. ACB Radio Amateurs cast its vote for Doug Powell. One Powell. ACB Students, eight, uh, two votes. ACB Students casts 0.5 votes for Powell and 1.5 for Connie Sims. 0.5 Powell, 1.5 Sims. And now we'll do the rest of the special interest affiliates. Blind Pride, eight votes. Oh, and I'm sorry, Bits, eight votes. Bits. Bits, eight Bits votes. Cass, three votes Powell, five votes for Connie Sims. Three Powell, five Sims. All right, now we'll do Blind Pride, mm-hmm. uh, six votes. So Blind Pride uh, is casting two votes for Doug Powell and four votes for Connie Sims. 
to Powell for Sims. Thank you. Braille Revival League, nine votes. Braille Revival League cast 4.5 votes for Doug Powell and 4.5 votes for Connie Sims. 4.5 Powell, 4.5 Sims. CCLBI, 10 votes. CCLBI? Two votes, Powell. Eight votes, Sims. Two Powell, eight Sims for CCLBI. Okay, my friends in art. Okay, three votes, Powell, one vote, Sims. Three Powell, one Sims. Guide dog users, 15 votes. Guide dog users, uh, we cast five votes for Doug Powell and 10 votes for Connie Sims. Five Powell, 10 Sims. Yes. Ivy, two votes. Ivy casts its two votes for Doug Powell. Two Powell. Library users, seven votes. 4.5 Powell, 2.5 Sims. 4.5 Powell, 2.5 Sims. RSVA, 13 votes. RSVA casts 13 votes for Doug Powell. 13 Powell. Viva, one vote. Viva casts one vote for Doug Powell. One Powell. All right, now we'll go back to the ones oh, we missed. Oh, no, Nancy, no, 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 no. if you can help me with that, please. Arizona. <laughs> the Arizona Council of the Blind cast one vote for Powell, one vote for Connie Sims. One Powell, one Sims. Next is Arkansas. Arkansas. Two and, votes. I, and I see that Sandra Arkansas, has one vote. Arkansas, one vote Powell, one vote Sims. One Powell, one Sims. One. Colorado. Colorado, one vote. Please. Colorado. Okay, we'll go on. Connecticut. Connecticut, one vote. One vote, Powell. One Powell. Thank you, Ellen. District of Columbia. District of Columbia has one vote. District of Columbia cast one vote for Doug Powell. One Powell. Iowa. Iowa cast 0.5 Powell. 2.5 2.5 Sims. 0.5 Powell, 2.5 Sims. Okay, yeah. Wait, did we have everybody? Did we have Vermont? I had somebody talking to me about this time. Did we have Vermont? I don't think no, we did. No, Vermont didn't vote. Vermont did not. Okay. Vermont? Is that the last? Oh. Okay. Wyoming. Wyoming. Wyoming? Okay. Was that it? Everyone else has cast their ballot. Thank you. You special interest affiliates are good. Mr. Chair, that completes the call of the roll. Colley, ACB Secretary, for the completion of the affiliate roll call. And we wish both our candidates, Doug Powell and Connie Sims, the best. Now it's my honor to turn over the remainder of today's program to Ray Campbell, second vice president of the American Council of the Blind from Glen Ellen, Illinois. Ray, welcome and uh, look forward to your presentations today. Oh, okay, Dan, thank you very much, um, uh, everyone. And um, we are running a little tight on time today, so we're probably not gonna have time to take live questions. However, if you do have questions for uh, our 
any of our presenters today, you can send those to questions at acb.org. Just indicate who the question is for, which uh, group, and we will get those to you, get those to the presenters at hand. All right. Um, so since there's no such thing as a bad map, um, today we're going to uh, hear from a couple of people with a company called Good Maps. It gives me great pleasure uh, to introduce uh, Mike May, Chief Evangelist. Hopefully he'll tell us what that means uh, uh, from Good Maps. And Evelyn Tishner, who is actually located in Nashville, Tennessee, to uh, talk to us about um, what's going on with Good Maps. This is CEC eligible. Your opening code is is five nine six three one. Again, opening code five nine six three one. And it gives me great pleasure to turn the floor over to Mike May and Evelyn Tishner. Go ahead. All right. Thanks, Ray. It's a pleasure and uh, nice to be on here at ACB. And um, I always appreciate your input uh, over the years about transportation accessibility because it's all together. I guess my uh, leading comment would be the better we get around, the better we participate in life, recreation, career, and so forth. So that's really been my mission uh, since I've been involved in accessible navigation for the last 25 years, starting at Arkenstone and then through my company, Sendero Group, and then with a few uh, turns along the way, ended up uh, working for Good Maps in Louisville, Kentucky, where uh, Evelyn had preceded me there. Evelyn? Hi guys, um, I'm Evelyn Titchener, and like Ray mentioned, I'm in Nashville. Um, so uh, I've been working with Mike for the past two years now um, to work on our indoor navigation technology and to expand that out into the community um, and to do um, a lot of events, events like these to advocate for accessible technology um, and just to expand uh, the awareness about good maps and, and our mission and where we're going. Yeah, and we will show a video that encapsulates what we do. I really lament the days when I got to do these presentations in person and they always uh, followed the, the in-house presentation in a room with demos and exhibits walking around, sometimes riding in a van, sometimes uh, in pedestrian mode. We got to walk around and I showed you the technology. So I, I look forward to next year when we can get back to that again, uh, particularly if you can see the new indoor navigation working that's something that's pretty rare and, and unique. And as you know, when we go to conferences, we're always looking for what's new this year. And uh, I tell you, if you could see it in person, you'd say, well, this is what's new, uh, this navigation technique. Um, certainly going back quite a few years, I'm sure a lot of you remember uh, the low vis guide at the ACB conferences and using beacons. And um, we've really been working on indoor navigation in, in different formats for a number of years. And that was one of the first iterations and a really good start. You got to start somewhere. Things aren't perfect. They aren't 100% accurate. You know, we're always evolving these things, but um, they do get better over time. And we have some new techniques that step beyond beacons uh, that work with indoor navigation. Uh, I first want to say that Good Maps came out with its first app, iPhone and Android, in September of last year. And the, the real focus of that app was let's cover the basics for outdoor navigation and then let's 
also develop indoor navigation. So we've been working on both fronts. And the outdoor navigation, you can check out for yourself. Go to Good Maps. It's one word. Explore. In either of the stores, you can download that, try it, see what you think, and it, it covers a lot of the basics. Bearing in mind that this hasn't even been out a year, and it's not going to have all the bells and whistles of nearby Explorer and CNI GPS and BlindSquare uh, apps that have been around for quite a few years. They keep adding features as users request them. So we've covered the basics for outdoor navigation Realizing that these days, particularly if we're providing a free app, you can use multiple apps at once. You can run Blind Square and Good Maps Explorer together, or CNI GPS and Explore. You can run them along with Apple Maps or Google. Um, the, the combination is, is often gives you the best of both worlds. Um, Ray mentioned my title as Chief Evangelist, and it, despite the fact that I've been evangelizing accessible navigation for all these years, uh, I think it's still an important role because it doesn't matter which app you use, really the fact is using uh, accessible tools and techniques is really a key factor, as I said, to uh, life acuity, I guess I would call it. And so we have to keep promoting the fact that uh, you, don't, you don't get to know these tools unless you use them regularly, because as you know, uh, we have so many things to work with. If you don't use them all the time, then you, you kind of forget the details and they don't be become a tool if they're kind of in the back pocket. So I have to say my evangelistic uh, comments to begin with is just encourage everybody to get out there and use something. And with all of the outdoor apps, each one has some little thing that's different or better than the other thing and some have their weaknesses. And as we know with accessible technology, Everything has its strengths and weaknesses, and part of using the strengths of an app is to know the weaknesses. So let me, uh, since I'm assuming most people are pretty familiar with outdoor navigation, we won't spend too much time on that, uh, but I want to tell you some of the differences about navigating indoors, because there's similarities and there are differences. I think we'll have Evelyn fire up the general overview video first, uh, so you'll have that overview, and then I'll drill down a bit more into some of the unique differences about indoor navigation and how all that all works. So uh, go ahead and fire that up, Ellen. And it's going to start out with our Good Maps logo. And I've always said that we've got lots of visual logos. There should be an accessible version of everybody's logo. So you'll hear our audio logo. Okay, that's fine. We'll give you the overview and in person. Yeah, I'll post the video in the chat. So if you guys want to um, watch it from there after, that's a good option. Yeah, don't click on it quite yet or we'll be yeah. competing. <laughs> yeah, and and Evelyn, um, I'm going to make some comments here and then just chime in to fill in the blanks. Um, I know there will be some. So in terms of indoor navigation, let me talk about the unique experience of, of navigating indoors um, versus outdoors. There is, we've said there are different techniques. There's beacons, and we're going to talk about our new technique. But first, I'll just tell you some of the fundamental differences. For one thing, indoors, you don't have streets. You don't really have grids. Sometimes you do indoors. You'll have hallways that are pretty much perpendicular, but you don't, they're not named. So that changes the whole dynamic of how you navigate. Oh, sounds like maybe something got enabled. Um, so I'll just finish that comment, and then if we can, we'll go ahead and start it. 
Um, so with indoor, you don't have we don't have street names. So that means your your directions will be given in terms of uh, relative to your position. So walk straight ahead, turn right. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily turn right on, you know, it's not hallway seven or hallway eight. It just says turn right. And because the accuracy is quite good, uh, you're presumably in the right hallway. But they aren't named, which is quite different. The points of interest, however, are pretty much the same as outdoors, where you have businesses and um, other things outdoors. Indoors, you're going to have offices, reception desk, elevator, escalators. So in most ways, the points of interest indoor are handled in very much the same as outdoors. Of course, the accuracy indoors is quite different because uh, outdoors GPS quotes 30 foot accuracy. Indoors, this was one of the issues with beacons is that the accuracy could really vary from five feet to 50 feet. Uh, depended a lot on those spurious Bluetooth signals that could be blocked by people and uh, change the accuracy. So, accuracy. So, if if you're trying to tell somebody to go in a doorway or uh, turn on in a hallway, it's pretty hard if your accuracy is that variable. So that's really key indoors. You can't have 30 foot accuracy. You really need to have, let's say, five foot accuracy to be really viable. Um, with that said, I'd say you know some navigation is better than none, but uh, it is good to at least try to get in that five-foot accuracy range. Um, just I'll just check in here real quickly. I assume we still don't have the screen share, right? No, that was switched okay. over. So okay, I heard something yeah. in my earpiece for a second. Um, there's also uh, multiple purposes of indoor navigation. And this is a really nice thing because this is why GPS became viable. It isn't something we could have had as blind people if sighted people didn't also need it. All consumers benefited from it and therefore it took off commercially. There were lots of companies um, making maps and uh, making receivers. And so it became quite viable. This is the case indoors. It's really important that it's not just for accessibility. Otherwise, it won't be cheap enough and it won't be widespread in different buildings. So the multiple purposes include what we refer to as asset tracking. So if you're in a hospital and they have 50 different uh, medical carts, they can get lost. They can end up in a closet where they can't find it. If you can have a map, and then you put a, a tracker, like the things we have, tiles and other kinds of trackers, um, air tags. You put those on your equipment. Now you can track them because you have an accurate map around the whole hospital. Uh, we also have first responder and emergency kinds of issues. When there's trouble in a building or a fire or something, uh, it's important that the rooms are mapped. And um, certainly with, with first responders, when they go in, knowing what building, what they're going into a building they've never seen before, uh, it's important that they have an accurate map. So in promoting indoor navigation, we have all these multiple purposes, which means that it's much more attractive for the venues to install. And that is the model that we're really focusing on at Good Maps, that the venues pay for the mapping, therefore the app, actual app is free to everybody to blind people, to anybody that uses it, the Explore app is free. Um, and the venue owner then pays for it. 
course, the, the important thing from an economic standpoint is that the mapping is cheap enough and it has enough value that venue owners can justify it because they will be driven somewhat by accessibility demands. But as we all know, uh, there's ADA requirements, but there isn't necessarily funding to back up those ADA requirements. Therefore, somebody doesn't necessarily have to have a fully accessible grocery store or airport. You know, they have workarounds, like they'll have somebody guide you and um, that's not my version of independent travel, but it's, you know, you have to work with what you have to begin with. Uh, in terms of multiple uses, um, I guess other places, I'll just mention some of the places that are, we've really seen a lot of traction in uh, with universities. Students go to a campus for the first time, they change classes every quarter, uh, they have to get a new route. And so if you have the indoor buildings or at least some of the key buildings mapped and you have outdoor, uh, the campus navigation is something that's um, really valuable. Airports, of course, uh, are important. I mean, there's ways to navigate airport. We've always done these things with or without technology. It just gets easier and more independent as uh, more tools uh, come about. So in an airport, there's a nice combination of tools, which is using uh, an indoor navigation uh, capability, but you can also use something like Be My Eyes or Ira. And with all of these tools, they have their weaknesses. So what's the weakness of a navigation app? Well, it gets you near the destination, but it doesn't always guide you right in the door or right, you know, outside we know it'll get you to the building, but where's the door? Well, you can call up Ira or Be My Eyes and get some eyeballs to, uh, through your camera, direct you to the doorway. And so this is a nice combination indoors. For example, in an airport, you could navigate to the gate. And then maybe once you get to the gate, you call up, uh, we like to call a human in the loop, uh, visual service. And you can point your camera around and find out what businesses are nearby, restaurants, coffee, or where the gate is or where the exact counter is at the gate. That final, uh, closing that final few feet is really critical, and that's uh, where the combination of these tools comes in handy. Evelyn, um, I'll just break here and let you fill in anything that you've, uh, you'd like to contribute. Yeah, I mean, I would just say um, to expand on my talking about the, the technology itself, we're working with a, a variety of different types of buildings. So um, our goal is to expand, I mean, you know, anywhere could really use this technology if it's a public space. So we're working with transit agencies, government buildings, um, universities and colleges. We've got, um, we're working to get some shopping malls, some grocery store locations. So as you can imagine, there's so many different types of buildings that this could be utilized in and indoor navigation is so critical for um, all, everyone. So um, that's that's a big part of our rollout right now. And with the technology being fairly new within the past year um, and, you know, COVID uh, hitting us and having to be indoors to use the technology, uh, we're really in the process of expanding and, and advocating for the technology um, within different communities across the country. Um, I would also say we've expanded recently to CNIB. We're working with CNIB in the youth or in 
uh, Canada. Um, so we recently expanded to Canada and the UK and hoping to come into other countries in the upcoming months as, as part of our overall initiative. Yeah, there aren't a lot of buildings mapped yet. There's a lot in Louisville, but the uh, other places are coming online and we hope to expand to some other English speaking countries. Um, and if anybody has any contacts in their local community or building that you'd like to see mapped, uh, we'd love to hear from you because it's pretty easy to get them a quote and talk to them about the, the benefits of doing this for accessibility and other reasons. I should mention the technology itself. So what's different about this versus the previous beacons is we, we really wanted to have something that has no infrastructure development. So that's the beauty of GPS outdoors. Nobody has to install anything. It's just based on your phone. You carry it around, it has a GPS receiver, picks up the satellites, you can use it anywhere. Well, indoors, it's a little bit different because there aren't maps yet. So we, we have to map things. When so the way we go about mapping them is we come into the building, our mapper has a, a big backpack on with LIDAR, which is what you've heard about Google using for years, mapping streets. And those were mounted on big vans. This is in a backpack now, it's a smaller version, much more powerful than what you have in the phones, but um, it is a reasonable size, so a guy can walk around with it in a pack. There's also a camera turret that's spinning around and taking imagery of the, of the building. So once we walk through a building and our time to scan it is roughly the time that it would take to walk up and down every hallway and go into every room that's going to be on the map. And that data is all captured and then converted into a, an image format that is uh, able, able to be referenced, geo-referenced by your phone. So when your camera picks up whatever it sees around you, it finds the equivalent of that in this cloud image and knows where you are. So it's pretty impressive when you can walk along with your camera out, so it has to be viewing the environment in a pocket, in a lanyard, or in a pouch, and it picks up the environment and compares it against the cloud and then gives you the turn-by-turn -turn information. Not just uh, your destination is at 11 o'clock, 300 feet, it's going to tell you where to turn, including the the integration of elevators or escalators or stairs that you, uh, you have to deal with if, it, if it's on another floor. So that's the, the brief summary of how the technology works and it has this huge advantage of not having to install hardware, therefore there's less to maintain and there's a lower cost to the venue owner. Evelyn, I think we probably just have a couple minutes here. Anything else we want to add to the group? Um, you covered the technology, you've covered, um, I, the one thing I would say is since we didn't get to show the video, is there a way that we can share that with the participants? Because I didn't see the chat enabled on here. Audio now unmuted. Hi, this is Janet, the convention coordinator. Yes, if you want to send me the slides and the information, we can put it up on our website. Thank you. Okay, great. Yeah, and another thing I should mention is with since the venue owners are paying for these maps, if any other program like Blind Square or CNI or uh, any of the others want to use the data, we will uh, provide that to them at no charge. So we realize people want their want to use their favorite app, and so we want to facilitate that by making the map data that we accumulate free, 
And since there's a huge project in, in trying to get things mapped, that's really important. We also want to leverage maps created by other uh, vendors. Um, and so we're working with a number of different organizations to try to take advantage of, for example, there's 150 airports that are mapped and we want to be able to leverage the data that's already been accumulated without having to go in and go to the expense of doing that ourselves. I think that covers things pretty well, unless Ray has any other uh, things I should touch on. And um, we'll, we'll just give you the uh, check us out information, which is goodmaps.com. Goodmaps, G-O-O-D-M-A-P-S dot com for all the relevant um, videos and links and uh, audio tutorials um, and podcasts that have been on the on the app. All right. Well, thank you, Mike and Evelyn, for that uh, presentation. My my second favorite indoor navigation is the one that gets me to the bar. My first is the <laughs> one that gets, helps me crawl from the bar back to my hotel room, wherever I need to go afterwards. So, all right. Well, the another time I'll tell you about the People Finder app. Okay, that's okay. always been my my favorite thing, which would apply exactly to what you're doing. <laughs> Ray, it sounds like you need to come to Nashville then. That's right up the alley. <laughs> Na Nashville's definitely on my bucket list. I've been to the Opry once, so uh, definitely have to uh, uh, do that again. Uh, anyway, thank you both. Uh, excellent presentation. Appreciate it very much. And um, uh, if again, if you have questions, you can send those to questions at acb.org. Indicate that they're for Mike or Evelyn or Good Maps and uh We'll get those uh, to those uh, fine folks. And as Janet said, we'll get the video link and up to the uh, website so you can check that out. Let me give you the closing code for this session. That closing code for CECs is 22913. One more time. That closing code, 22913. All right. So, um, so primary... Oh, a primary work that ACB does, as most of you know, is advocacy. And to talk with us for a few minutes about what ACB is doing in the advocacy space, it gives me it gives me great pleasure to turn the podium over to Clark Rockfall, our director of advocacy and governmental affairs, and Swatha Nandakumar, who is our recently hired advocacy and outreach specialists. So they're going to talk with us for a few minutes. This also is CEC eligible. So your opening code for this session is 36451. Again, that's 36451. Without further ado, Clark and Swatha, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. Ray, thank you so much. And hello, ACB. It's a pleasure to be with you here on Zoom streaming live over ACB's social media channels, and of course, the new ACB Media Network. I am Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, and thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this live convention edition of the ACB Advocacy Update. Uh, I am joined by a new co-host at this year's our 60th anniversary uh, conference and convention. And that is our new to ACB advocacy and outreach specialist, Swatha Nandukumar. Swatha, welcome. 
Hi, Clark. Hey, ACB. Yeah, I'm Swabdananda Kumar. I am the advocacy and outreach specialist for, yeah, for ACB. Um, yeah, I am from the suburb of Chicago, and what I do here is I um, engage, engage with ACB, engage with the broader disability community, as well as their members to... Um, Kind of move ACB's agenda forward and work on government affairs with Clark. So, yeah, hello. Yes, and as Swatha mentioned, we are your advocacy, governmental affairs, and outreach team. So, if it involves working with Congress on public policy or communicating with federal agencies on regulations, uh, reaching out with the cross-disability community on the national level or collaborating with our corporate partners. So many we've heard from thus far this week and many more to come. We are your one-stop shop. And as always, our phone lines are open, our emails are open. So if there is an advocacy issue uh, that you would like to bring to the attention of ACB, you can always reach us at advocacy at acb.org. Again, that email address is advocacy at acb.org. Uh, Swatha and I, we are only two people, but we are fortunate that we do not have to carry uh, the weight of all of ACB's advocacy efforts alone. Uh, a big thank you to the ACB leaders and board as well as Jeff Tom, our Advocacy Steering Committee Chair, as well as the chairs of all of ACB's other advocacy committees for your initiative, your flexibility and integrity and collaboration, um, everything that makes ACB's advocacy work possible. But also, we have partners outside of ACB who are staunch allies for our work. And one of them, we have a short video uh, to share how important the advocacy work that we do. So if you all wouldn't mind indulging me and please welcome uh, the Honorable Senator Shelley Moore Capito, uh, Senator from the Mountain State of West Virginia. Thank you for the introduction, Clark. Thank you for inviting me to be part of the 2021 American Council for the Blind Convention this year. It is truly an honor to speak to you all today as ACB celebrates its 60th anniversary. Congratulations on the occasion and all that you have accomplished over the years. Throughout the next week, I hope you are able to feel the sense of community cultivated by this conference. I love your motto. Better together wherever we are. The strength and support that we can create for one another is invaluable. And this support gives each of you the courage, trust, and the confidence you need to try new things and live each day to the fullest. Since coming to Congress, I have advocated for increased access to resources and educational opportunities for individuals who are visually impaired. Just this year, I helped reintroduce Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act, or better known as the Cogswell Macy Act. This legislation would strengthen the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and ensure that students who are visually impaired would receive the best education possible. I was also an original co-sponsor of the ABLE Act that eventually became law in 2014. 
and I have continuously voted to reauthorize funding for the programs created through this bill and ensure that support for important necessities like housing, transportation, employment, and medical care remain accessible for individuals with disabilities. I want you all to know that I am standing in your corner and I will always be your partner on the federal level. I will continue to listen to your concerns and I will work to move things like pedestrian safety, voting accessibility, and digital access forward for individuals with visual impairment. Again, thank you for giving me the chance to address you all today. Each of you exhibit great initiative and I look forward to what the future has in store for you all. I hope you have a great time this week. All right, thank you so much to Senator Capito uh, for joining us here and helping us celebrate our 60th anniversary. And thank you for the advocacy work that you do on the federal level, uh, not only for the Mountain State Council of the Blind and our members from West Virginia, but your tireless advocacy for things like the Cogswell Macy Act to ensure that students who are blind, deaf blind, and deaf and hard of hearing have access to a full toolbox of tools and resources um, to have a fair, appropriate public education in the least restrictive environment. And also, we'll talk more about this in a little bit, uh, your leadership and ensuring that voting rights legislation uh, did not disenfranchise voters with disabilities as well. All right, so Swath and I, we would like to begin with updating our members on our legislative imperatives for this year, 2021, also the first term of the 117th Congress. Our first legislative imperatives, imperative, excuse me, provides low vision device coverage uh, for people with disabilities. This is an interesting item because for eight years now, ACB has been uh, leading the charge to provide coverage for low vision devices. This has been predominantly through the legislation that we have uh, backed and supported over the past eight years, the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act. This bill would have created a five-year pilot program providing coverage for low vision devices and uh, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services would have prepared an interim and final report about how this uh, covering these devices has impacted uh, people who are blind and people who need these devices. Uh, interestingly enough, this year, there seems to be growing support for expanding Medicare coverage to include a vision benefit. Um, if this is done, as part of the budget reconciliation package, the $3.5 trillion package that the Senate uh, is currently drafting. Not only would this remove the eyeglass exemption from Medicare coverage, so it would cover eyeglasses, contacts, vision exams, but it would also remove the low vision device exclusion which would provide a path forward for low vision devices to be covered as well. As we, as we all know, these devices can be rather expensive. So whether it's uh, you know, tabletop video magnifiers, wearable technology, um, this, this could be an 
exciting opportunity to expand this coverage and make these devices more available for our members, whether they're our members who seek to age in place and remain independent, active members of their local community, or our members uh, who are continuing education or seeking employment, and they may need some technology to help them with their daily lives and daily skills so that they can, again, be more, more productive. Like our mission says, uh, you know, strive to increase independence, economic opportunity, and quality of life for people who are blind and experiencing vision loss. So stay tuned. We hope to have more information on uh, a potential path forward, not only for the demonstration of Medicare coverage for low vision devices, but potentially much, much more. Our second legislative imperative, and I'd like to turn it over to Swatha to provide an update on the Disability Access to Transportation Act. Yeah, so um, our second imperative was the Disability Access to Transportation Act, so um, data. Um, and this was introduced in the House by Representative Langevin um, from Rhode Island and in the Senate by um, Senator Menendez from um, New Jersey. And what this bill would do is it would establish a one-stop paratransit pilot program um, so where um, riders and paratransit riders can um, schedule a trip with um, an inter intermediate stop. And this would um, decrease the wait time and kind of make, more, make it more convenient for people's abilities to use paratransit because of the fact that they can schedule one ride instead of having to schedule two rides for, for, for each leg of a trip. So um, that is included. Um, the bill also um, provides resources for paratransit agencies in underserved, underserved communities to um, improve, improve improve services, improve um, the availability of services in communities that have been underserved by paratransit. And the bill also um, streamlines the, the complaint process. So um, people people who want to make complaints um, against paratransit Paratransit agencies, paratransit agencies could um would be able to submit them by phone and email and in addition to um regular mail um to the federal transit administration like so um makes easier makes easier especially for um those who can't use paper so yeah the bill number for the bill, bill number the bill numbers for the um house version is um 16 hr 1697 and for senate is 2038 so s2038 so yeah thank you so much swatha and again uh, there's been some recent uh communications we want to thank our friends at the american foundation for the blind afb who are big supporters and partners of acb on promoting this legislation as well. Um, they had a, a recent petition that has been shared broadly among ACB members, whether that's over our lists, and a big shout out to ACB Next Generation for sharing it over their lists as well. Um, let's sign that petition, get those numbers up, and let Congress know that this is an important provision that we'd like to see included in the Surface Transportation Bill 
It's already in there in the House. We want to make sure it gets in the Senate and that this gets across the finish line this year. Uh, previously, I talked about the Cogswell-Macy Act. Just uh, real quick, if folks would like to learn more about Cogswell-Macy Act, the bill numbers are HR 1595 and S813. And our uh, Outgoing ACB first vice president, Mark Reichert, has been a, a very active uh, supporter and playing a lead role for ACB in, in, in supporting that important legislation. Um, as you'll notice a theme here, whether it's uh, legislation related to transportation, education, uh, employment advocacy, uh, you name it. Again, there's, there's so many people to name. I'm running a risk of leaving someone out. So I just want to add this disclaimer here. Uh, we, again, we, we can't do it alone. And we are so thankful to have such an active advocacy community here on the national level in our state and special interest affiliates and our local members in their uh, state and local jurisdictions as well. On that note, our third legislative imperative is core to ACB's Get Up and Get Moving campaign and the track of health and wellness programming that we have at this year's conference and convention. Um, so for those who have seen the schedule, there are no shortage of health and wellness programming, whether that's how to get out and be active from the transportation and environmental access committees, the uh, self-defense being put on by BPI, excuse me, yoga with Leslie Spoon, but also ACB Diabetics in Action has a full slate of programming related to nutrition, diabetic advocacy, as well as fitness and exercise. And core to our health and wellness is our ability to independently and privately be able to use exercise and fitness equipment. And our third legislative imperative is the Exercise and Fitness for All Act. This bill was introduced in the 116th Congress last year by Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois. I was fortunate to join Senator Duckworth on a panel uh, last week on July 14th, hosted by the U.S. Access Board. And this panel was on accessible exercise and fitness. At that time, Senator Duckworth pledged to reintroduce the Exercise and Fitness for All Act uh, later this month. And ACB, we here at the national office, as well as the advocacy committee as part of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign led by Sheila Styron, are standing by ready to share information and get the, the drumbeat rolling of our members actively supporting that legislation. This legislation would require the Department of Justice and the U.S. Access Board to create standards and guidelines for accessible exercise and fitness equipment. Currently, there are regulations in place for the physical premises of gyms, health centers, um, fitness facilities. So as somebody who is blind and visually impaired, we can, we can get in the door, we can go down the hall, we can use the stairs or elevators. Uh, we have space to access the exercise and fitness 
equipment of our choice, whether that's a treadmill, elliptical, bike, recumbent bike, rowing machine. And then that's where the requirements end. We know that exercise and fitness equipment can be made accessible. ACB and our members, we worked with Peloton last year to bring the Google Talkback screen reader to the Peloton Bike and Bike Plus. And we will continue our efforts with manufacturers directly, as well as exercise and fitness facility providers, uh, not only to make the accessible equipment, but then to have that equipment available. We know this can be done. It already has been done, but it needs to be widespread and available for our members' use. This is why ACB and our members support the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, and we will champion its reintroduction later this month. So stay tuned. More to come on that front. Other topics related to advocacy, Swatha already touched on the Data Act, uh, but there's a, a wide swath of advocacy being done in the transportation arena. And Swatha is going to share another bill that ACB is supporting. Swatha? Yeah. So this year, um, Senator Duckworth from Illinois introduced the All Patients Accessibility Program Act or ASAP Act. Um, the bill number is S1680 in the Senate. Um, and this, what this would do is it would um, provide competitive grants to states and cities to kind of update and um, make 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 accessible their legacy systems, legacy legacy systems. So, um, including um, commuter rail, light rail, and rapid rail. Um, but so legacy systems in, include systems that were built before the passage of the ADA in 1990. So like Chicago, New York, I think Boston's one, one of them too. Um, so this bill would kind of provide incentives for states and for cities to update to their, their systems to meet ADA and CDA standards for um, people with disabilities to access them and use them and just kind of improve their options. So. Yes. Thanks, Swatha. And Ray, I don't think it was uh, any coincidence that you're the presiding officer for our advocacy update because a lot of this activity is taking place in the state of Illinois. Whether I like that's the theme here. I like the theme here, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I forgot, I forgot to mention that Rep. Shuri Garcia and Rep. Marine Mar- Mar- Illinois also, also introduced the health version, too. So hey, hey, Illinois rules, guys. Come on. <laughs> we didn't guys know that. <laughs> well, we. I know we were all uh, a little bit disappointed not to be in Schaumburg last year. So we're excited that we can bring our boots to the ground in Illinois. Uh, Ray, is that 2023 or 2024? 2023. 2023. We are looking so forward to that. So in addition to upgrading these, as Swatha said, legacy, you know, commuter and uh, rail infrastructure, there are other transportation items, not all legislation, some regulatory and some uh, other advocacy channels that ACB is utilizing, keeping it in the, the great state of Illinois and Chicago, as well as New York City. ACB and our local chapters are involved in lawsuits surrounding accessible pedestrian signals. I am a plaintiff. There you go. So <laughs> uh, this is an issue that is, that is ongoing, has been going on for several years. 
Uh, the big news is that the, the courts have ruled in ACB's favor in the litigation against New York City. And we are progressing through uh, implementation or agreement and then implementation of a remediation plan to increase the availability of accessible pedestrian signals. In short, wherever there is visual access to signals at an intersection, we believe and the courts, and not only the courts, but the Department of Justice agree that there needs to be non-visual access, audible, uh, vibral tactile access for people with disabilities to that same information so that we can safely, securely, and independently uh, navigate our cities, our home environment, and again, be active, independent members of our community. Uh, the Metro chapter of Chicago uh, is involved in the litigation for the city of Chicago as well, where less than 1% of lighted intersections have accessible pedestrian signals. The Department of Justice filed in support of the ACB plaintiffs and said that the city of Chicago is violating the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we are very confident um, as this excuse me, as this litigation proceeds, and we we hope that this sends a message to other cities and municipalities around the country, and we will continue this advocacy effort. Even though there's Chicago has promised them since like 2008. <laughs> that that is often the case when it comes to accessibility <laughs> and disability advocacy. So we're, we here at ACB and our our chapters and affiliates. Uh, you know, it's our job to push back and to hold hold their feet to the fire. You know, there's a lot of competing interests out there, but by using our voices um, and using the the strength of ACB and our affiliates um, and the broader community, we can help move these issues forward. And I think that's that's what we see is happening in New York and Chicago and soon elsewhere. In addition to accessible pedestrian signals and you know, legal advocacy. We also had the opportunity this year, led by our Environmental Access Committee and Chris Bell, uh, very active ACV member when it comes to advocacy, this time in drafting comments to the Federal Highway Administration on the Manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices. We shared these comments with the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, as well. And we will continue to advocate for enhanced accessibility in the MUTCD, as well as the completion of the public rights of way accessibility guidelines so that, again, we can more safely and independently be active and involved in our community. GDUI, Guide Dog Users Incorporated, and ACB's advocacy teams have been working closely on the new Department of Transportation final rule on traveling by air with service animals. Becky Davidson and Sheila Styron, Sarah Calhoun, and Melanie Brunson have been great advocates in this regard. We had an awesome panel with representatives from four major airlines at the DC Leadership Conference. We are continuing conversations with the Department of, of Transportation as this policy is rolled out. If you or someone you know is being denied boarding or air travel due to inaccessible forms, 
or any form of discriminatory treatment when you are booking a flight or traveling by air. Be sure to file a complaint with the Department of Transportation. Let GDUI know and let the ACB advocacy team know so that we can have a record of that and we can advocate on your behalf. In addition to transportation access as we come out of the pandemic here, one thing that has been so vital to our ability to remain independent and active members of ACB is digital access and inclusion. If we didn't have accessible technology, we would not see, have seen the just amazing growth of the ACB community and the great work that Cindy and Belinda and Colby uh, and others, including Nat Radcliffe, uh, one of our original interns over the past year, and Anthony Corona have done to grow the ACB community, to have uh, over 4,000 community events of the past year. And we will continue our work to enhance digital access and inclusion. We will support legislation and regulation for accessible websites, mobile apps, and online platforms. Not when that legislation is brought by parties that just want to throw up hurdles and roadblocks and make it more difficult for people with disabilities to access accessible content. But when that legislation and when those regulations protect and enhance the rights of people with disability. These, we are having ongoing conversations with the greater, broader blindness community, as well as Capitol Hill to move uh, legislation and regulations in this regard forward. And we will continue our advocacy work, whether that's to increase and enhance advanced communication services, wired and wireless phone service, accessible audio and video, online uh, internet conferencing, as well as uh, video platforms, video conferencing, but also technology out there in the world. So whether that's mobile apps for transportation, websites and mobile apps for ordering food, engaging with entertainment and media and communication channels, but also accessible kiosks. We don't want technology and technology that we know can be made accessible and must be made accessible to be a barrier to entertainment, to employment, to education, or to our health and wellness. So whether that's kiosks for registering for appointments or checking in at medical facilities, or the work that ACB Diabetics in Action is continuing to lead to ensure that durable medical equipment and the currently inaccessible user interfaces on insulin pumps are made accessible here in the future. Other advocacy efforts. Swatha, would you like to share the work that ACB is doing with the Stop the Weight Coalition? Yeah, so we are part of Stop the Weight Coalition. Um, and what we're doing is we're um, working on a way to provide a choice or option for SSDI beneficiaries or Social Security Disability Income beneficiaries to get their benefits immediately after um, being approved. So with this, like, so um, 
beneficiaries have a option um, after pr- getting approved to have their benefits delivered delivered immediately at a reduced rate. So, um, or have their benefits delivered after a five month waiting period to um, at the original rate that it would have been otherwise. So um, this method keeps the cost neutral and provides a choice for those that want it. Um, we are working with the, um, we're working with, with community and with coalition to have this included in the infrastructure package that's going to pass this year at least. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Swatha. And when we first brought this proposal to our ACB Advocacy Services Committee, uh, the thing we heard that stood out to them was the choice, giving people with disabilities the choice to choose how they receive the benefit that they have earned, whether they are, you know, have the ability to wait five months and receive the full amount or receive a slightly lower amount, but receive it instantly without the waiting period. Uh, So we realize that ideally, in an ideal world, we would just eliminate the waiting period altogether. There is a very large price tag that comes with that proposal that uh, the sense we have from the coalition and from Congress is that that would not be tenable. So we found this compromise proposal and we're excited that we can, you know, if passed, that we can bring a uh, choice and agency to our members in the broader community so that they can choose the manner that works for them to receive their SSDI benefit. So more on that to come as well. The final issue hasn't been talked about at all over the past year and certainly not during this year's conference and convention, and that is voting. So ACB has been at the forefront of voting advocacy over the past year. Geez, before the pandemic started, we were excited that West Virginia uh, unanimously passed legislation SB 94 through the House and Senate and signed by the governor to expand access to accessible remote voting for people with disabilities, a fully electronic system where you could have your ballot delivered, market and return it. No fumbling with paper, no having to figure out where to sign your name, fold the ballot, mail it back, or travel to a Dropbox. Then the pandemic hit, and our world's got a little bit turned upside down. Uh, States started passing emergency executive orders, and disability was not always at front of mind. But due to the work of ACB, the National Coalition for Accessible Voting, and all of our advocates around the country, we made great strides, raising the profile of disability rights and accessible voting. Through these efforts, five states last year, whether it was by passing legislation, uh, administrative and regulatory changes that they had the power to do depending on their own state, or legal advocacy, like in Massachusetts and Florida and North Carolina, in Virginia, in Indiana, um, that our affiliates were involved in five states last year allowed voters with disabilities to access to fully electronic, remote, accessible voting. We didn't have to expo- expose ourselves to the pandemic in Maine and Massachusetts. 
Delaware, North Carolina, and West Virginia. We could vote from home on the assistive technology of our choice. We didn't have to worry about printing a paper ballot, checking the small standard print, mailing it in, and trusting that voting officials transferred that from that printed ballot onto the durable paper ballot. We were able to cast our votes privately and independently uh, and do so securely as well and accessibly. Those states are serving as the the gold standard. There's certainly more that can be done on the way it's being implemented. And the Bay State Council, the North Carolina Council, uh, the Mountain State Council and others are continuing great advocacy work in this regard. But there's been progress made elsewhere, whether that's ACB of New York, ACB of Virginia, um, Illinois, again, Ray, you all are tireless advocates holding your members of the, the state legislature and your secretary of state's office accountable. And also the great work of the Kentucky Council of the Blind to work with their secretary of state and governor's office to move this issue forward. Not all states are allowing for electronic return of the ballot, but I think it's important to remember where we came from. And that was either having a paper ballot mailed to us or needing to navigate an inaccessible system to request an inaccessible paper ballot. So in the states that are providing an electronic delivery and marking, but we still need to print and mail the ballot in, that's still an improvement on where we were and our advocacy efforts will continue going forward. And as Senator Capito said, uh, and I just wanna thank her again for her leadership because ACB was one of the few disability rights organizations to oppose HR1 and S1, the For the People Act, which would have required a durable paper ballot mandate and would have eliminated access to electronic ballot return for people with disabilities. Through the leadership of Senator Capito, we were able to get that amended and improve the language of the For the People Act. Uh, This bill did not pass the Senate, and we still certainly think that there's more work that needs to be done but ACB will hold fast that legislation intended to increase voter participation and voting rights must increase and enhance the rights of voters with disabilities as well. So folks, this is a a brief overview of the advocacy work that we've been doing on your behalf and at the behest of our board and committees and affiliates Uh, over the past year and here in 2021. If you would like to bring an advocacy issue to our attention, please reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org. And as Senator Capito said, this is our 60th anniversary. If you would like to help support our advocacy efforts this year and in the future, please visit the acb.org website and click that donate button for our 60 for 60 campaign. Because when you support ACB and you support us in our 60 for 60 campaign, that has a direct impact on our ability to provide advocacy services, not only for ACB, our members and affiliates, but the broader community as a whole. You can always stay in touch with us by 
listening on ACB Media or your favorite podcast player, the ACB Advocacy Update. And Swatha, just like we finish the podcast each week, what do we always say? Keep advocating. Thanks, ACB. And thank you, Clark and Swatha, uh, for a a great presentation this morning or this afternoon. Um, Ray, this is Dan Spoon. Uh, May I uh, chime in for a question for Clark and Swatha? Would that be okay? Um, Where are we at on time? Um, I think we're okay. uh, Yeah, we're 56, and there has been a change in the agenda, which I will announce in a minute. But uh, how can I refuse the president? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Ray. First, I just want to announce to all of our members that the the vote now for the individual voting will be closing in now 19 minutes at 1.15 Eastern. So if you haven't cast your ballot yet, uh, Clark was just talking about accessible votes voting and we sure have that at American Council of the Blind so please get your vote in uh, for either Connie or, or Doug. Uh, those elections will be closing at 1.15 today. And then Clark, my question to you, uh, you were speaking a little bit of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and fantastic presentation there on Saturday night. And then we had a wonderful presentation last night on audio description with some of the leading, uh, you know, uh, media streaming services in our country. And I thought it was very interesting that Carl Richardson very delicately asked the question to Sarah from uh, Apple about Fitness Plus and perhaps the role Apple could play in making more fitness equipment and apps accessible. And I keep feeling there's a huge role in the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and, ex- and advocacy related to that, that our that our poor corporate partners could be allies in. Do you do you see that as a big, uh, significant area for us to advocate, not only with our legislation, uh, legislators and our regulatory agencies, but also with our corporate partners? Dan, there, there is no question that partners are will be key to the success of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign and bringing broader accessibility to health and wellness. So Tony Stevens uh, here on ACB staff, as well as Tom Tobin, the new president of ACB Diabetics in Action, as well as the steering committee chair for the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Um, They've established three subcommittees on public awareness, advocacy, and partnerships. Corporate partners, they, they kind of fall into the, well, all three buckets, really. They've, they've got such tremendous reach for public awareness. They have the capacity and the capability to improve accessibility, not only of equipment, but in their offerings. So at last year's convention, uh, the <laughs> someone you might know, Dan, Leslie Spoon, joined yes. me on an accessible fitness and exercise panel. And she talked about the importance of clear and instructive language um, when leading workouts. And that's something that could certainly be improved upon and enhanced in virtual fitness offerings. Um, That's one aspect of it. So having instructors use more clear and descriptive language, but there might be an opportunity to provide audio description for those virtual classes, you know, providing some Uh, verbal information on those key visual elements, as Joel Snyder so eloquently said earlier today, 
uh, and during many sessions here earlier in this convention. We also want to make sure that in person, because we will be returning uh, to in-person gyms and facilities and classes, and we want to make sure that folks are receiving the in-person care and instruction that they need to be safe and informed um, so that they can take back control of their health and wellness as we get up and get moving here after the pandemic. Thank you, uh, Dan, and thank you, Clark, uh, for that answer. And I just hope, I just hope that part of access access to facilities is also going to make sure that things like lockers are accessible. Because in some places, like the one the club I go to, they put in these combination locks that I can't use, and so that's uh, definitely something that um, also needs to be uh, considered as part of this. So anyway. Um, Okay, so thank you, Clark and Swatha, for that great presentation. Um, Your closing code, if you're getting the CECs for this, is 77196. Once again, that code is 77196. And so there we go. Okay, let me make an announcement about the rest of the session today. So as Dan mentioned, you have just a few minutes to cast your individual vote. That will close at 1.15 Eastern, so um, 14 minutes by my watch uh, that you have to do that. Um, we will, we're going to do, we're going to do the scholarship presentations uh, coming up in just a minute. And then we're, because it, because of, uh, you know, timing and things like that, we're going to move the audio description uh, portion of the program to later on in this week's agenda so that uh, we can get you out of here and get you to other sessions that you may be attending. So uh, that will be, watch your emails and other communications. Um, we'll let you know when we're going to do that. So, uh, so, so now it gives me a great pleasure to uh, bring on the scholarship committee for to hear from some more of our bright young scholarship winners of the future, of the future of ACB, and um, hear what they're doing. And uh, before I introduce the presenters, I'm going to give you, there's a code for this. The opening code is 51985. Again, that opening CEC code for this session is 51985. And without further ado, it's my pleasure to turn the podium over to the Scholarship Committee today, Kathy schmidt Whitaker and Michael Gravett. Uh, go ahead. Hello. My name is Kathy schmidt Whitaker, and I'm Subcommittee Chair for the Engineering, Science, and Technology Committee. My co-committee members are Gilly Presley and Mike Gravett. Today, I'm excited to be introducing Matt, Matthew Turner from Garden City, Idaho. Matt may be a familiar name to you as he has been receiving scholarships for the past several years as an undergraduate student. So in the fall of 2021, I'll be pursuing a master's degree also in computer science, just like my undergrad uh, and also at MIT. So I'll be rolling over some of those undergrad credits and continuing my studies with a master's. Can you share why you selected this major? It really happened my freshman year as I started taking more classes in computer science and math, and I realized I really had a passion for data science. And I was able to use that to solve real-world problems that 
firms like HP and BlackRock, where at HP, I did a printer cost prediction model for them so they could make better decisions about how to allocate their printers among their customers. And so for me, it's really about using data science in order to help make better decisions and improve the lives of uh, people around the world. That holistic perspective of data science, computer science, engineering, it's wonderful how you're integrating all those fields together. Matt, can you share with us what is your greatest accomplishment thus far in your life? Honestly, I'm very proud of recently I started TAing a class called 6UAT, which is an oral communications class. And when I came into this class as a student, I was really nervous and it was very uncomfortable for me to have to give presentations. And then I ended up improving a lot over the course of the semester and now I'm teaching it. And it's really pushed me and driven me in ways to improve as a speaker and in my own confidence and presentation abilities. And also, I think it demonstrates leadership in having and how I interact with the students and encourage them to be the best presenters they can be. So uh, that's been the, the newest thing that I've added to uh, my life recently, and I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's really grown me a lot. Fabulous. You stepped out of your comfort zone and had the courage to continue to grow and prosper as a leader and a learner. And good luck as you pursue your master's program in the fall. Thank you. I'm excited to introduce Elizabeth Corso from Newmarket, New Hampshire. She is our Qualls Scholarship winner. Liza, could you please share, what is your major study and where will you be attending in the fall? I will be attending Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'll be studying nutrition sciences. Tennessee is quite far from New Hampshire. Can you share how you decided on your field of study? I have always been interested in sciences and learning about how the body works. And I knew I wanted to go into a career where I would be able to help people every day. And as an athlete, I've learned so much about how nutrition is very important to staying healthy and for feeling your body. And so I want to be able to help other people learn how to properly feel their body. Can you share with us what your greatest accomplishment is? So um, I would say that some of my accomplishments have come through um, running, whether that is winning a state championship or setting school records. But I think my greatest accomplishment um, would be how I've been able to show other people through my running that even if you're facing a challenge, like for me being legally blind, um, you can still overcome them. And with hard work and dedication, um, you can put your mind to whatever. And I think that um, my running has been able to show that and help inspire people with that. You definitely have inspired others. But <laughs> you're ready. You. <laughs> you're welcome. And we're excited that you're a scholar, ACB scholarship winner this year. And you will continue to motivate and inspire others in your school and education process. Good luck on, as you pursue your school at Lipskin University this fall as an entering freshman. Congratulations on receiving an ACB scholarship once again. Thank you. Hi, uh, this is Mike Gravitt. I have the pleasure of serving on the subcommittee with Kathy and Gilly. I have three wonderful scholarship winners I'm going to be introducing to you today. Uh, the first is Bobby Shaw, who is from Stanford, California, originally from India. 
very impressive person that we really enjoyed getting to know, has overcome a lot of challenges uh, since 2012 when he lost his vision. And I'm sure you're going to really enjoy getting to know him a little bit more. So here we go. Hello, my name is Bhavya Shah, and I am originally from Mumbai, India, and I'm currently in Edgewater, New Jersey, and I attend school at Stanford University. I am primarily studying discrete mathematics and theoretical computer science and will major in either CS or math or a combination of both. The reason why this field of study attracted me is because of how evasive and elusive mathematical and theoretical computer science problems are, how impossibly hard they seem at the outset, but as you work your way through it and you get closer and closer to the solution, the feeling of jubilation is just something that I haven't quite gotten bored of. And it's also of bonus value that mathematics and computer science is so pervasively useful in that every field of study requires some expertise in that. So the fact that I can cross apply my skills is also something I'm looking forward to leverage. It's hard to say what your most uh, significant accomplishment is. One of them truly genuinely is winning the ACB scholarship. And I'm so grateful to have been selected as a recipient from what I'm sure was a broad and equally qualified pool of applicants, just getting to know the organization and also participating in the convention, getting to meet the other recipients is an opportunity that I'm extraordinarily thankful for. So thank you so much to the people who reviewed my application on the committee who interviewed me and just folks at ACB for making this possible. But other than that, um, perhaps one thing that might be worth noting is my debating voice. This all started really in 2017. I'd been doing public speaking for a few years in high school, some poetry recitation and prepared speeches and model United Nations conferences. And I thought I was doing sort of well and I wanted to take this to the next level. And I thought debate might be interesting to explore, but there were was no debate team at my school. So I went on to Google one fine day and looked up if there was some Indian national debate team. India is where I come from. Um, I moved to California only this March. Um, and lo and behold, there was an Indian national debate team. It had its trials coming up in two months from then. And the registration deadline was soon. So I cobbled together two fellow classmates to form a team of three so that we could take part and also reached out to my school's English teacher to be our teacher coordinator. We went to the trials that year. I made it past the regionals, but didn't quite make it all the way. Um, I got knocked out, but I did have fun. I genuinely enjoyed this activity and I wanted to give it another go. So I continued my schooling, the same old um, exploring maths and science and all of that fun stuff. And I decided to take another crack at it next year. And I participated again with two new teammates and I made it past the zonal round and through the national round. And somehow I made it to the national team. Now, the story could stop there. And I think that for me was quite a feat and satisfactory moment. But really, the reason why we had been selected on the national team 
was for India to be represented at the World Championship of Debating. The World Schools Debating Championship in 2019 took place in July in Bangkok, Thailand, and hosted 64 national teams. It was after hundreds of debates on motions ranging from politics to religion to international relations to economics to sociology to feminism to literally anything under the sun after researching wikipedia and news articles to discover information to become generally knowledgeable on those topics and also debating our trainers and coaches who had flown in from the uk the us canada and elsewhere it was finally time in july that we landed in bangkok and i should be honest here i do not think there was a clear path to success blind students didn't really have any precedent of even participating at the world championships in debating and i think it was an anomaly that i was even there but somehow we took it around at a time the five of us i had four incredible teammates all of whom were sighted and we made it through round after round against teams like england and peru and argentina and denmark and what not and somehow won all eight preliminary rounds breaking first at the top of the charts so it was then the elimination rounds somehow again we beat bangladesh in the octo finals and then pakistan in the quarter finals on 5-0 and china the defending champions in the semi finals on a 7-0 and the grand finals also we were fortunate to be able to have beaten a fantastic team canada on a 9-0 decision and we were the first indian team to have won the world championship in debating i think right in that moment i was just happy to have gotten through this and done justice to the immense amount of effort that everybody had put into us our trainers coaches and otherwise but i think looking at it in retrospect and just having gotten the opportunity to apply what i learned in debating the concepts of strategy and self advocacy and clear communication in real life scenarios is something that just makes me reminiscent of how fun how empowering and how enriching the activity of debating has been to me i was fortunate to reach the pinnacle of success in it but i think the experience of competing in it learning to be better at it has been so incredibly applicable in all walks of life for me all right babia thank you very much uh for sharing your story with us and now i would like to introduce our next winner isaac hyman who is from Mokotio, Washington. He has a lot of wonderful community involvement that impressed us quite a bit. He's done everything from mentoring others to being a mentor, taking full advantage of everything in his community and his church and definitely the type of person we want to get involved with ACB. So, let's get to know Isaac a little bit. My name is Isaac Hyman and I am so grateful to be selected as a ACB scholarship recipient. This award means so much to me and it is such an honor. I am from Mukilteo, Washington and I'm going to school at Western Washington University. I'll be a senior next year and I'll be earning my degree in behavioral neuroscience and I am also on the pre-med track. I chose my field of study because of some life circumstances that came my way and some I was 
I've had some medical conditions and that really inspired me to go into the field of medicine. And by working with so many amazing uh, people in the medical field and learning about their career, I just thought like this would be an amazing route to move into myself so I can help other people who are who have found themselves in difficult medical conditions and situations and I can help them. My greatest accomplishment stems out of the pandemic we've gone through this last year, year and a half. And I, looking back on it, I'm proud that I have been able to maintain and also create more friendships during this time. I've been at home, um, not at school during this last year and a half. And it's been, um, I feel proud that I have met new people through clubs virtually and just made some really special connections. So I am very proud of that. And I'm excited to expand on these connections as I return to school in person in the fall. All right, Isaac, thank you very much uh, for sharing your story with us. And I'm sure everyone enjoyed getting to know you as well. Next, I would like to introduce the young lady, Sarah Panek from Wilmington, Delaware, uh, who's currently going to school in California. Uh, she's very diverse, uh, does everything from rowing to playing the violin, and has overcome a lot of challenges herself by having to, to attend school from one coast to another, and just someone we really enjoyed getting to know, and I'm sure you will as well. So let's get to know Sarah a little bit. Hi, my name is Sarah Panic. I'm from Wellington, Delaware, and I'm currently attending the University of Southern California. Uh, my major right now is linguistics and cognitive science. And I chose this major because I've always been really interested by foreign languages and just like the science of language in general. And I didn't realize until like halfway through my freshman year that that was something I could actually study. Um, but once I did realize that was a major I could actually like get a degree in, I was so excited to switch. And I've been in that major for a year, year and a half now. Um, and it's very, very interesting. I'm, I'm very happy with my decision. Um, and then for my greatest accomplishment to date, um, I, I mean, I guess this is kind of simple or basic or whatever, but I am really proud of uh, everything I've been able to achieve academically. Um, I have had a 4.0 since middle school. I graduated as valedictorian. Um, I have had professors tell me that I've written some of the best essays they've ever read. Um, and that's a really just something I'm really proud of myself for because I was able to do all of that all while still having like a part-time job having a really rigorous sports schedule. And I think all of that combined would be impressive for anyone, but I was dealing with it on top of having a degenerative disease and having to navigate uh, the academic world with all of that. Um, so I'm just really proud of all that I've been able to accomplish while dealing with a condition like this. All right. Thank you, Scholarship Committee. Uh, and, to, and especially thank you to our scholarship winners for some 
wonderful presentations. Boy, I'll tell you, I always say this, uh, future is certainly bright here in ACB. Let me give you your closing code. That closing code is 91599. That closing CEC code again, 91599. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure for me to be able to preside for part of the morning this morning with you all. Uh, I thank you for giving me that opportunity, and I wish all of you a wonderful convention. And now I'm going to send it from Springfield, Illinois, back down to Orlando, Florida, to our president, Dan Spoon. Take it away, Dan. Thank you so much, Ray. A wonderful, uh, wonderful day of presenting. It really some wonderful scholarship winners and great content on advocacy and also good maps. Just really, really wonderful programming. Right now, we are going to take a little over a five, seven minute break here until 125. So give everybody a second to stretch their legs at 125. Uh, we will be back on the, we will be back with Nancy Marks Becker, our supervisor of elections, to announce the results of our second uh, board of directors candidates position. Welcome back, American Council of the Blind. I hope you all enjoyed that long, relaxing break. Uh, just kidding, uh, but uh, hopefully you did have a chance just to stretch your legs and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Get, get maybe a, a quick drink to, to quench your thirst here as we now move on to really a very uh, kind of important part of our day, which is really the announcements of our candidate election for today. Just to remind everybody, today's contested election was for our second American Council Blind Board of Directors seat, and it was between uh, Doug Powell, who was nominated from the nominating committee from Falls Church. And his the opponent was Connie Sims, uh, not coming off the floor as a nominee from Sioux Falls. So again, we had Doug Powell versus Connie Sims. And I'm now going to turn it over to uh, Nancy Marks Becker, our supervisor of elections, to give us the results of this election. She'll give us the total results uh, then the results by the individual vote and the results by the affiliate vote. So, Nancy? Okay, so this election between the affiliate count and the individual vote, we had 982 votes during this election. Doug Powell, 497 and one half. Connie Sims, 484 and one half. For the total... Doug Powell received 50.7% of the vote, and Connie Sims received 49.3. For the individual vote, where there was 611 people who voted, 311, or 50.9%, voted for Doug Powell. 300, or 49.1%, voted for Connie Sims. For the affiliate vote, the count on that was 371, 186 and a half or 50.3% voted for Doug Powell, 184 and one half or 49.7% voted for Connie Sims. Back to you, Dan. Thank you so much, Nancy. What an amazingly close election. And congratulations to Doug Powell 
who will now be serving his second term on the ACB Board of Directors. Uh, we will hear from Doug tomorrow morning to uh, address the membership uh, for his uh, for the results of his election, uh, as well as um, uh, as well as perhaps Connie sends, depending on how things move along today. So, with that said, uh, we are now going to turn the uh, the broadcast over briefly for the next five to seven minutes to David Trot, our ACB treasurer and uh, Janet Dickelman, our ACB convention coordinator, to take you through announcements and some door prizes. And then you'll see Nancy and I over on the other side as we continue with the candidates' nominations for our board of directors and board of publications positions. So thank you so much. And David and Janet, the floor is yours. Thanks, Rick and uh, Dan. And Rick or Dan, let uh, I'll let David go first with his, and then when you got when you get settled over there, just let us know, and I can stop my announcements at any time. That's a good idea. Thank you. So, if you can see what, all right, Mr. David Trot, with some great announcements and fundraising information. Yeah. If I could catch my breath after that great election. I, wow, that That's was truly really democracy close. in action. This, this is great. It was. It, it, both, both candidates did a great job. Yes, they did. And uh, it was really exciting. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what we've got going on, folks. We still have the walk going on. We're not at our goal yet. We're only at about 85%. So y'all still need to help us out if you can. No pressure. Just, just know where we are. Uh, great event coming up today. Y'all can join me. Uh, here, if you could get here for some pizza and beer as we listen to the ACB annual auction tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We look forward to it. Leslie called me all excited the other day after the uh, uh, appetizer auction, uh, you know, and I'll save what we raised for her when you hear her from her Thursday. But it was a great auction, and we certainly appreciate your participation. Don't forget, we still have some Braille form raffle tickets give you the opportunity to uh, have a chance at winning $5,000, $1,000, or $500. Again, that number in the Minneapolis office is 612-332-3242. And there again, that's the Braille form raffle. We do this once a year. And uh, we raised over $23,000 last year, and we'd like to see a record year this year. And we're getting close. And last but not least, we're going to give some money away. Uh, $120 in gift card, a gift card a day to the winner of the MMS drawing. And today's winner is, drum roll please, dun, 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 dun. Randy, uh, Randy uh, go Janet, you know the last name. I, pr I pronounced it for you before, Randy Barboom. Barboom, okay. Miss Randy, we're, we're from, excited for you, $120 gift card today. She's That's from, from Minneapolis, she's Minnesota. Oh, Lord, if I'd have known that, we'd have went to another number. Now, yeah, you guys that uh, win these things can thank Google, because we have Google do our number drawing every day, and it's the number you're on on the MMS spreadsheet. So we couldn't figure out a way to do it any fair. And so if you'd like to join MMS or add to your um, donation every month, this will entitle you to a chance not only at these daily prizes, but our grand prizes of a $500 Visa gift card. and the second one will be a Sonos 
Rome. That is the newest Sonos speaker. It's an excellent little speaker that you can carry anywhere. It is water resistant, not waterproof, but it is a great little speaker. It is it's their newest line. And the way to do that is email askacbmms at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-A-C-B-M-M-S at G-M-A-I-L.com. Or you can call 202-743-0755. There again, that's 202-743-0755. You will get a recorded message there. Please answer and um, leave your information and we will call you back. And we really appreciate all you guys do every year to make our fundraisers a success. And this year is no exception. So let's have a record-breaking auction tonight. Thanks so much, Janet. I'm going to leave it with you, hon. All right. Thank you. And yes, the auction tonight, as David said, the Diamond Jubilee auction the uh, for ACB's 60th birthday. And the auction will be on tonight starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You do not need a bidder number to bid. You just come into the Zoom room when your item is up, you raise your hand, uh, something you want to bid on is available, you raise your hand, you will be acknowledged, you will stay unmuted during your bidding, so you will be able to bid. All convention registrants are able to bid for the auction. I believe if you are not registered for the convention, there is there are alternate ways that you can bid by... Um, so check that out, but we hope you're all registered for the convention. There is still registration for available for the convention if you'd like to register and have not yet and get the daily Zoom links and be eligible for door prizes. You still have the opportunity to do that by going to members.acb.org and registering or calling the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Um, I'm going to do a couple of door prizes and then I'll check and see if they are ready for us. And if not, I'll do a couple of announcements. So let's do a couple of door prizes. Our first door prize winner today is Dan Day from Altamonte Springs, Florida. And many of you remember Dan, who used to um, came to many of our conventions with the beacons, the audible beacons for wayfinding. And that was wonderful. I called him Dan Dan the Beacon Man. Anyway, Dan gets $25 from California Council of the Blind. Our next door prize recipient is Maria Christic. And Maria is from Albany, New York. And Maria receives $25 from um, Missouri Council of the Blind from MCB. Our next door prize winner is Susan Masary. And Susan Masary is in Seattle, Washington. And she... Also, she receives a $25 Amazon gift certificate from Florida Council of the Blind. I'll do one more, and then I'll check and see where things are with the other room. We have Julie Miller, and Julie Miller is from Shoreline, Washington, and she receives one of the wonderful iHeart ACB hoodies donated by ACB of New York, and that has I, the word I, and then a heart and ACB, and we'll reach out to her about the various, she has color and size preference on that. So we will be reaching out to her. Do we know if everyone's in position yet? Yes, we do, Janet. All right. We are. Then I will go away and listen to the election results. Thank you.
Hello, ACB, and welcome back to our 2021 uh, candidates' elections. Uh, we uh, just had the final results of our contest between Doug Powell and Connie Sims, extremely co close, and congratulations, Doug. It is now time for us to move on for our third uh, position on the ACB Board of Directors. Uh, that, per that name that was placed in nomination is Kenneth Simeon Sr., retired manager of AT&T from Beaumont, Texas. So before we start nominations, I'm going to ask uh, Nancy, do are, have all hands been lowered in the Zoom room? Oh, sorry, I was muted. All hands are lowered, Dan. All right. Hearing and confirming that all hands are lowered, we will now three times ask for nominations for the floor. Are there any nominations from the floor for the position of ACB Board of Directors? For the second time, are there any nominations from the floor for ACB Board of Directors? And for the third and final time, are there any nominations from the floor for the third ACB for, for the third time for the ACB Board of Directors position? Nancy, have any hands been raised? There are no hands raised from the floor, Dan. Hearing and seeing that no hands have been raised, I would like to announce by acclamation that Ken, Kenneth Simeon Sr. from Beaumont, Texas, has been elected for his first term to the ACB Board of Directors. Congratulations, Kenneth. All right, it's now time for our fourth position from, for the ACB Board of Directors. The nominating committee has placed in nomination Donna Brown, retired teacher and technology special, specialist, from Romney, West Virginia. So I will ask Nancy, have all hands been lowered in the Zoom room? All hands are lowered, Dan. Thank you, Nancy. Hearing and seeing that all hands are lowered, I will now call the nomination three times for our fourth ACB Board of Directors position. For the first time, are there any nominations from the floor for the position of ACB Board of Directors? For the second time, are there any nominations from the floor for the position of ACB Board of Directors? And for the third and final time, are there any nominations from the floor for the position of ACB Board of Directors? Nancy, have any hands been raised? Dan, I do not see any hands raised. Thank you, Nancy. Seeing and hearing that no hands have been raised, I would like to announce by acclamation that Donna Brown has been elected for her first full term as ACB Board of Director. Congratulations, Donna. Next, our nominating committee has placed in nomination for the fifth position of ACB Board of Directors, the name of Chris Bell, retired attorney from Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Nancy, I would ask, are all hands lowered in the Zoom room? All hands are lowered, Dan. Hearing and seeing that all hands are lowered, for the first of three times, I would like to ask 
for nominations from the floor for the position of ACB Board of Directors? I see a hand. All right. Nancy has seen a hand. Could we please call on that uh, hand that has been raised? Anthony Corona. Hi there, Dan. Hello, Anthony. Well, first off, congratulations to Jeff and Kenneth, Donna, and who am I? And Doug. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to respectfully resubmit Connie Sims, uh, retired massage practitioner and health advocator, advocate from uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. All right. Thank you, Anthony. So the name of Connie Sims, uh, occupation. Uh, Retired medical massage practitioner and health advocate from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. His name has been put in nomination. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. uh, Nancy, if you could please lower Anthony's hands. I just did that. All right. Are all hands lowered? Yes, Dan. All all hands are lowered. All right. Seeing and hearing that all hands are lowered for the second time, I will ask, are there any nominations from the floor for our fifth position on the ACB Board of Directors? And for the third and final time, are there any nominations from the floor for the position of ACB Board of Directors? Nancy, have any additional hands been raised? Dan, no additional hands have been raised. Thank you, Nancy. Seeing and hearing that no hands have been raised, I will uh, confirm that we have a contested election for the fifth board seat eligible for the ACB Board of Directors between Chris Bell, retired attorney from Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and Connie Sims, retired medical massage practitioner and health advocate from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The candidates will be asked to identify their speakers uh, and they will receive invites. Those speeches will take place tomorrow morning. For all the winning candidates for today, they will have an opportunity to address the membership in the morning before our candidate speeches. Good luck to both candidates. And this concludes the candidate roll call for today. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you, Rick. Thank you. All right. At this point in time, I want to thank everybody for a wonderful um, day uh, in the general session. Special thanks to Ray Campbell, second vice president, for being our presiding officer today. A friendly reminder that our primetime event this evening this evening will be the Diamond Jubilee Auction, which will be at 7 o'clock. Everybody come early, come stay late, and do lots of wonderful bidding. Should be an exciting evening. Please enjoy your wonderful breakout sessions throughout today. Following uh, this uh, general session, uh, we will have a connect show with our director of Ab- director of development and um, communications, Tony Stevens, as well as our ACB uh, media broadcast program manager, Debbie Hazelton. So still, please stay tuned for that, for all kinds of wonderful announcements, advice, the mini mall minute, and uh, they'll get you caught up on all the latest happenings inside of ACB. And for now, 
This general session of the ACB 2021 Conference and Convention stands adjourned till tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Thank you all and have a wonderful Tuesday.